What is going on, everyone? This is Miles Dompierre, and welcome to the 93rd episode of Xbox Chatterdays. Today, I am stoked to be joined by not only my good pal, but the legendary and maybe even infamous host of the Xbox Two podcast, Rand Althor19. How you doing on this blessed early? You got up what at the crack of 1 p.m. today to be here? I, I literally, I literally woke up 15 minutes ago for you, Miles. For you. Oh, Rand, it warms my heart. I appreciate you. Always love chatting with you. And I know, you know, you don't normally get up this early, especially on a on a on a weekend, a on weekend, a Saturday. Yeah. So appreciate you making some time for little old me and this episode of Xbox Chatterdays. I mean, I gotta be here. Uh I love talking with you, Miles, you know, and I just gotta say, it's uh, you know, it's staying up really late, playing some video games, some video jams, right? It's like, this is the life. Not only that, but then I get to wake up the next day and talk to the one and only Miles Dumper. I mean, <laughs> come on. The Dumper. Okay, so I caught, you know, part of Xbox too, but catch, get me up to speed. What's up with this Miles we, Dumper? We, Somebody dropped the a, super chat? Were they we being super, mean? Or did, was it no, a typo? No, no, no. They, it was a typo. It was definitely okay. a typo. But... It was just like somebody was was talking about you or or something. He was like, blah 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 miles, and then it was spelled dumper d u m p e r. I just I started laughing out loud. I'm like, uh, yes, yes, miles dumper. Okay, that is now your new name. Uh, I don't appreciate it, Rand. Uh, I will allow miles dump truck. That's that's an okay <laughs> substitute, but miles dumper, I I can't can't fly, can't can't let it. Um. Well, Rand, I'm excited to have you on because it's been a week. It's been a really good, exciting week. There's been a lot of stuff to talk about in gaming in general, but more specifically, Xbox has had a really, really big week. The first kind of big week for them in, let's be real, a long time. There hasn't been a lot to talk about outside of Activision Blizzard King on the Xbox camp. And so today, we get to talk about video games. Xbox games, Rand. Xbox does have games, and we're going to be talking all about them. So we're going to be diving into Xbox's first developer direct, what we thought of it, how it landed. We're going to be talking about the glowing reviews of Dead Space. I know you've been, you know, dipping your toes into that. We're going to be talking about Xbox's plans for the rest of 2023, now that we have an idea of some of some of these release dates. We're going to be talking about uh, a surprise hit landing on Xbox, and Ooh. we're going to be talking about a returning classic coming to Xbox that you love, near and dear to your heart, and the future of 343 Industries, and a bunch more. But before we get into all of that, I know most people already do, but give us a quick breakdown of who you are and where people can find you. You know, I'm Randall Thor 19. I'm the man with the million. You know, I got a YouTube channel, making videos uh, here and there. You know, I've been a little bit more busy this week and last week, and I haven't really put out as much content as I would like. But I also do the Xbox Two podcast with uh, your homie, my homie, Jez Corden of Windows Central. Love Jez. Uh, We we do that every Friday, you know, youtube.com slash randallthor19. But before we get into anything, Miles, I just want to congratulate you on leveling up to IGN. Oh, what? Your first video is out. You unfortunately had to play for Spoken <laughs> and, and, and do some tips. Basically, Miles' tip was, hey, don't play this game. And then it's like, I right, see you in the next video. But how does it, how does it feel to, be, uh, to see a video that you made and see in that lower third Miles dump truck across <laughs> the screen? You know, I got to say, uh, uh, it was weird. It's been a really weird couple of months 
there's been a lot of if you've been following the games industry you know there's been a lot of like downs and uncertainty and question marks and there's been a lot of weird stuff that's been disheartening because i've spent the last few years kind of really and i quit my high paying salary job to be like all right i'm gonna go make no money and try to be in games and see how that goes so i've spent the last several years like working on it doing videos building up windows central's channel uh, and then when that was like a question mark, the terms of in terms of like the future and me being able to work on that, I was I was bummed. Honestly, I was really bummed because I had spent so much time and energy, and there were so many people passionate about that. So that was you know that was a bummer. The start of my own channel that's been really cool and exciting. And then yeah, talked. I had some folks from IGN reach out and say, hey dude, what's up? What are you what are you working on? What do you want to be working on? Uh, I might have some opportunities on the video side. So. Did my paperwork, got that all submitted, and yeah, my first video for IGN is out. It's a Forspoken Combat Tips video. Um, again, I know the conversations surrounding Forspoken haven't been the most positive, but I will say, one thing I want to give a huge shout out to is all the people that were in the comment section of that video shouting me out, sharing kind words, being excited. That was, that was so cool to see. Uh, it was definitely the most positive I have ever seen in IGN comment section in my life. So huge shout out to everybody there. Because if you go through the thread, it's just a wall of people like, Miles, yo, what's up? And it's it was just really cool. So that was cool to do. I've done some other videos, but that was my first voiceover video. I'm going to be working on some more projects with, you know, folks like Mark Medina and Destin uh, Legary over at, X, or over at IGN as well. So more stuff to come for me over there. But it was really cool to have that, you know, work on it. And like you said, to put my name in the little lower thirds and put my name on the title card and all of that stuff was, it was a cool experience. You know, I've been, you know, regardless of how you feel about IGN, like I've been watching IGN videos and reading IGN content for a long time, 15, 15, 20 years at this point. So to be a small part of that team, it's cool. It's, it's really cool. And um, yeah, gr very grateful and very excited about, you know, what, what's next for me over there. So Appreciate you, Rand. Thanks for the little, little shout out there. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, all right. Well, we all know Rand. Rand Althor, the legend. Uh, check out Xbox Two if you haven't. I'm sure you have. It is a staple. Um, it is one of my weekly go tos. I'm always in the chat lurking, riling Rand up when I can, where I can. Um, but some quick housekeeping before we dive into the show proper. So, touched on the IGN video, stoked about that. Another thing I want to touch on real quick is that memberships are now active on the channel. So, one of my goals for this year is to invest more in myself and my channel and build my own little thing up. Because as I touched on with the Windows Central thing, it was a bummer to invest this thing, invest in it, have it grow, and then, you know, be like, all right, well, we're not doing it anymore. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, see you later. Good luck to me. So, I'm going to be investing more in my own channel. So, memberships are live. I see Hargeet Chani in the chat. You see a little burger. Ooh. You see a little burger. Ooh, you get a little. You get the custom burger bag. Hargeet, what's going on? And Hargeet, shout out to him. He is the first producer of this channel. He's the, the first producer. Channel producer. So huge shout out to him. I want to give a shout out to the other few members because this went live a couple days ago. We got Assassin Anthony and Nick W coming in early, coming in hot. So yeah, you got some. We get some custom emojis. So right now, they're only Taco Bell themed. I was hungry at the time, so I made a <laughs> Crunchwrap Supreme and a Baja Blast emoji, but <laughs> more to come there. Um, hey, Taco Bell's going to come for a cut of that revenue, Miles. They're going to come like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, Infringing I didn't, on their trademark. I didn't use official logos, and I didn't use official wording, all right? you know. Okay. All right? Covered my own ass here. All right, Rand, let's get into it. Huge shout out to everyone joining us live. If you're watching the show, hit that like button. Share it out. And let's get into it. We're going to start with games. Xbox right. Game Pass games in particular. So Ooh. as we all know, the start to this year for Xbox was weird. And it was 
in a lot of ways, pretty negative, if I'm being honest. They laid off a mm. bunch of people. Uh, they had a slow start to their rollout for stuff like Xbox Game Pass. There was all the uncertainty with 343 Industries and the future of Halo. There was a lot of negative PR. If we're just being frank, if we're being honest with, with ourselves, the start for Xbox in 2023 wasn't rocking, was not popping. Part of that came when they were really slow to announce the coming soon games to Game Pass. And when they did, it was stuff that was already confirmed. Your Monster Hunter Rise, your Personas, and then they shadow dropped things like Mortal Shell and Stranded Deep. But this week we got another coming soon, and we have more games coming to Xbox in the next couple of weeks. So Rand, real quick, here are the games that are out now and coming soon announced this week. Hi-Fi Rush, Shadow Drop Baby, out now. GoldenEye, 007, bam, another kind of sort of Shadow Drop, out now. We'll talk, we'll talk more about that, don't you worry. I know how you feel. I know you're a big GoldenEye fan. Uh, <laughs> Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition, coming to console for the first time on January 31st. Inculinati, January 31st as well. Uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, All-Star Battle R, coming to... I don't have a... Oh, January 31st. Uh, Darkest Dungeon, coming February 2nd. That's coming back. Hot Wheels Unleashed, Game of the Year Edition, on February 7th. So, Rand... We're going to be talking about Hi-Fi Rush in particular. So I don't really want to talk about that for this particular segment. But how are you feeling about what's coming here? How are you feeling about the second drop? And how are you feeling uh, about, you know, you know, the start of Xbox Game Pass in 2023? Um, honestly, I don't think it's as good as last year's. Last year's you had Mass Effect Legacy Edition. And you also had Hitman 3, now Hitman World of Assassination. And a few others. This one... It was weird. It, it, you were right. It was definitely weird. Uh, they didn't really have a drop for the first couple weeks. And it wasn't mm -hmm. until January 19th when they dropped Monster Hunter Rise Day 1, which is doing very well. I don't know if you've seen the most played game chart on Xbox, but it was number 10 when I looked yesterday. Because I wanted to see where Hi-Fi hi Rush is, but the Xbox charts are a little bit delayed. So it's like, okay, Monster Hunter Rush is doing pretty good. Well, hey, when you get up into the top 10 played games of xbox yeah that's you're pretty doing some high. numbers that's, that's, yeah. that's a tough nut not the track not you know tough nut to crack and then the two persona games um you know very uh, first time on the on the platform persona 4 persona 3 probably won't get as much play time as persona 5 and it was also kind of weird that they're dropping on both day but whatever and then it was like okay people were a little bit disappointed because also miles you didn't get a drop at the back half of December, either. Exactly. So, so almost like a big gap. Yeah, they went like almost like a month without really dropping anything. Mortal Shell came back, but it was the enhanced edition, mm -hmm. stranded deep. And there's like people were waiting for this week. Okay, what are we gonna get? And Hi-Fi Rush kind of holds everything together because it's so good and it came out of nowhere. Um, and you mentioned uh, I don't really know much about Inkomati. Ink, it's <laughs> hard to the... say. Inkulinati. Inculinati. I don't really know anything about that game. Uh, Hot Wheels was supposed to be like a December game, and then Correct. they said, oh, it'll come later, and now it's coming, which I think it's the Game of the Year edition with all the DLC. I know people really like that game, so that's cool, you know? Yeah, that's a um, solid game. It's a lot of fun. If you like the Hot Wheels Forza DLC, um, the original one from the uh, not the newest motorsport, it's that to the extreme. <laughs> it's it's yeah. really cool. Um, Goldeneye is kind of a... I mean, I don't think it's really a game that most people are, are really interested in downloading and then playing for a long time. I think maybe a lot of people will 
check it out for to satisfy their nostalgia cravings of a yes. time when they had less uh, responsibilities. Back when and Surge and Bagel Pizza Bites were, the, were king. Yeah, know? and they want to they wanna relive what it was like when they were 16, back in college for the first time, or in, in high school. They want to relive those moments because now they're bitter old men, 40 years old. And they I hope, just want to feel that, something random. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a decent start for the year. I'm, but it, it, it's good because Hi-Fi Rush came out of nowhere and is like super quality. So it's like, boom, like that's there. And it's like, that kind of like holds everything together along with like Monster Hunter Rise being a game, you know, for a two year old port to the Xbox doing well. Um, but I don't think it was one of their better Januaries. I think last January was better because they even had like Rainbow Six Extraction day yeah, one. Yeah, they had a big, big, so, arguably big new AAA release day one. Yeah, in January. So yeah, but we'll see how the, we'll see how the rest of the month goes. Next next month, I believe they you know they they're going to have Atomic Heart launching, and yep. then soon after that will be Wolong Fallen yeah, Dynasty. Yeah, baby. Yes, and then whatever other sort of things they have in between, but. Um, it's a, it's, it's, it's a good start to the year. Not a great, great start. And it's only really a good start because of Hi-Fi Rush and how amazing it is. Yeah. So we're going to branch out for, to a couple conversations from this. First, I'll give my overall impressions on the month. Yeah. I think it's a solid start. There are a lot of stuff that is exciting. Monster Hunter Rise and Hi-Fi Rush now, I think are the two standouts, but GoldenEye does something really cool for Xbox, regardless of how much people play it. And I know you've memed folks like Special Nick about like <laughs> playing it for five minutes and not touching it. I did that last night. I played the first two levels, played for about 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That, that's fun. I, I get it. I don't think I'm going to be playing it all that much. But that being said, there were so many people online, like sharing like Twitter posts and like TikToks of GoldenEye being available on Xbox. So it did, regardless of, you know, how much you actually play it, have this cool little like social media pop that typically I would say is associated with Nintendo. Those beloved classic IP, even though, you know, some of it is just nostalgia. But that being said, that still carries a lot of weight and it's still cool to have that moment for Xbox. And Xbox, while they have been around for 20 years, um, they are kind of the new kids on the block in some ways compared to your PlayStations and Nintendo. And so it's cool to see their legacy kind of coming full circle and having those nostalgic moments. And moving forward, I think we're going to get some more of those. So that was cool to see. Again, GoldenEye, the port is is interesting. It plays, I guess, better than I was expecting. Um, I expected it to be rough because I'm used to playing it on the Nintendo 64 controller. And y'all know I like Nintendo, but the Nintendo 64 controller is the worst controller that has ever been designed. I don't know how it got greenlit. I don't know who signed off on it. That controller is so unbelievably bad. And so I've never been a fan. So I remember playing a lot of GoldenEye back in the day, and I liked the multiplayer. But I didn't really play the single player because I was just playing it for friends because the controls were so janky and weird. So having dual sticks on GoldenEye is pretty cool. You know, it's it still doesn't feel the best. Doesn't feel like a modern game, but I tried it on Switch. I couldn't. You can remap the controls and do some stuff to get dual stick going, but for the most part, it's not dual stick. And oh my god, it takes you back. I have some you know controller PTSD from from playing Goldeneye back in the day. Have you played it, Rand? I know you've been meaning no, on I, it. But... I, I'm not gonna play it. I'm not gonna. Okay. I, I find it interesting that the ports, they're like. Each one has something that they like, but each one has their own issues. Like, 
people are are happy that you can play at least on the Xbox version. You can remap your controls and make it play like a modern game, which you can't on the Switch. And I see mm-hmm. a lot of people complaining about how it controls on the Switch. But then you can play online with your friends on the Switch, but you can't play online with your friends on the Xbox. Yep. So yep. there's these weird trade-offs that each version has. It's like, well, what do you want to play? Or do you want to play online, but you want to have to f- screw around with horrible controls? Well, the Switch is for you. But then do you want really good controls, but not being able to play online? Well, then Xbox is for you. It's like, man, there just couldn't be like one definitive version where it was like, modern controls plus online. Here's the game for you, GoldenEye. It was like, no, each one has something wrong, you know? Yeah, and I'll I'll explain that for people because I've seen a lot of people who have questions about why this is and you know what's going on and I've seen people share conspiracies that you know Nintendo made it so they could be the only ones that have online. So the the reality of this version of GoldenEye, it's not the remaster, the fabled remaster that probably won't ever come to be at this point. What this is, this is an emulated version of the Nintendo 64 game. So shout out to Code Mystics who handled this because Code Mystics have an interesting history of kind of revitalizing these legacy games. They're the people who did Phantom Dust Remastered. And they did Phantom Dust Remastered without the source code. So they went into the game, reverse engineered the source code from a disc, and that is how they were able to remaster and upscale Phantom Dust, I think to 4K at the time, if I remember correctly. So that's what they've done with GoldenEye. That's why the visuals are updated. That's why some things look great and some things look weird because they went into the game's code and they basically, without actually replacing anything, altered stuff to make it higher resolution, to make it widescreen. Nintendo's version is just the N64 emulation, but Nintendo Switch Online has online multiplayer baked into their operating system baked into the emulator itself so every single game that has multiplayer will have online support and so that is the main difference one thing to consider though when you are playing online multiplayer with goldeneye on the switch it is still split screen you are still you're all sharing a four a four-way split screen for online multiplayer so because goldeneye never had online support originally they couldn't bring that to the xbox version as far as I understand. Yeah. Brandon, one thing I want to talk about with Game Pass this month is I think, it, you know, I've been very vocal about Xbox and it's, you know, inconsistent Japanese support and lack of Japanese support. But this month in particular, and then as we go into stuff like Wolong, um, it shows a lot of Japanese support. And if you're looking at just Japanese developed games in particular, this is an incredibly strong month. You have Monster Hunter Rise, you have Persona 3, you have Persona 4, and you have JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And Hi-Fi Rush from Tango Gameworks as well with Shadow Drop. So in particular, this month has been incredibly strong for for Japanese support. Um, Do you think that this is kind of setting the tone for Xbox's push into Japan this year? Or do you think this is just kind of how things happened with this particular drop and we'll see another big gap? I don't know. I think that's really too early to really tell. I think part of it is like, you know, Monster Hunter Rise and the Persona games aren't really something I don't think Xbox had a hand in when they released. That's more on Square Enix and Capcom. It just kind of happened to fall, you know, around the same time frame. Same thing with Wolong and stuff. Um, It is appreciated by those who really like Japanese games because that is kind of an area that Xbox needs to improve on. And Phil's talked about it 
right? And how Xbox needs to get more support. Um, maybe this is one of those things where the support is getting better because maybe if you go back five years, these games might have skipped the platform. I mean, Persona skipped the platform until recently, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so we, I don't know. I don't know how the future is going to be for Japanese support. Like with Tango being as well received as it is, you know, if if they're letting Mikami. Uh, make whatever he wants to make at Tango Games next. There could be a lot of, you know, positive sentiment towards Xbox. Be like, hey, they let us do whatever. They supported us. You know, if you're thinking about either not su- supporting Xbox or not, maybe you should give them a chance. Plus, they're working with Kojima. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's another sort of like olive branch. You know, there's, you know, Special Nick Right, has talked about Xbox signing a deal with Platinum to bring back Scalebound. Oh my God, Scale! You know, so maybe there's there, maybe there's more stuff in the works, and it's just kind of something that is just it, it. It takes time. It's it's slow, like everything else, where it's like it, it's not something that happens overnight, but something that you'll notice more and more of every year. Right, I don't think we'll ever be in a scenario where every Japanese game launches on Xbox. I think. There'll still be those days where a JRPG skips Xbox and IDM you and be like, hey, uh-huh. look, another <laughs> one exclusively not on Xbox. Because that's just, you know, I think that's just something that uh, you're just going to have to live with. You know, it's not going to get every Japanese uh, game out there. I, I don't think really, even, even if everything goes well, I, I think still uh, publishers and developers will be very wary of of like where they put their games. Right. So, yeah. Um, but I, it's definitely better than in recent years. So, um, it looks like it's trending upward at least. Exactly. And there's some positive momentum, which, which is exciting. I, I agree. Xbox just, I know people have their, their narratives that they share online about the reasons. And, you know, they say that publishers hate Xbox or whatever. And, you know, maybe behind the scenes, there are certain people who don't like working with Xbox. I don't know. I don't have the answers there, but I think, as long as Xbox can prove that there's a business necessity for them to bring their games to to the platform, they'll do it. Because ultimately, if you know if a game is gonna make money on a platform, they're not gonna just skip that platform out of spite. That's not really how these these companies operate. At you know, again, maybe there are individual people who feel that way. But when you look at the company as a whole, if they're if it can make money and if it can grow your audience, you're gonna put it on that platform. And Xbox is making sure that it's taking the steps and putting in the energy and effort to make at least the biggest franchises. Because as long as Xbox can maintain that all of the biggest Japanese franchises are on Xbox, they'll be in a great position. If there are smaller scale niche ones that skip it every now and then, you know, like you said, it is, it is what it is. It's not ideal, but obviously if they can start proving themselves to these teams more consistently, then that's going to happen less and less. So I think Xbox is in a good position starting this year and moving forward, especially with Hi-Fi Rush landing in a big way. And if this Kojima project lands in a big way, that's going to be this mission statement that shows, all right, Japanese developers, if you want to do something different, you want to do something cool that you've never done before, come talk. We'll, uh, We'll see if we can facilitate it. I think as we look at the industry right now and we see so much AAA burnout, you see so many teams leaving huge studios and starting their own teams, starting their own small-scale teams because they want to work on something new. They don't want to work on Assassin's Creed 15. They want to work on something else. 
And so if you have a big publisher who has resources to help fund stuff like that, that's a, that's a big selling point for these creatives. And hopefully, as we've seen with Hi-Fi Rush, it'll lead to more inventive, creative projects that have energy behind it. Because that was what I loved about gaming is every single month, I felt like there was a brand new IP early on. You look at early PlayStation, you look at early Nintendo, you look at even early Xbox, they were throwing around new IPs like wild. And they were just trying to find out what was, throwing everything at the wall to see what would stick. Sometimes it was cool, sometimes it wasn't. But that being said, when you were a player, there was nothing more exciting because every single day you were living a new experience and, and, and diving into a new world. And that's, that's why I think a lot of us fell in love with gaming. And some of that has been lost as we look at the, the formulaic world of AAA game design where, you know, we are spending X hundreds of millions of dollars. So it's, it has to have XYZ or it's not coming out. Sorry. We know this is popular. We know this is going to work. So we have to do this because we've spent too much money for this to not work. And so I want to see more small scale creative projects. And um, Japan, you know, historically has a, a great track record of that. Indeed. Rand? Yes. Before Miles. we move on for, from this topic, one quick question Have you been playing Monster Hunter Rise? No, I have not played Monster Hunter Rise. I've not. I have. I have not played a Monster Hunter game, Miles. I. I know. Oh, you love it though. You. Been, I, oh. I. I see you online because Miles never invites me to a party. <laughs> you always appear offline. We have this conversation. That's true. If you weren't a but, coward, I would invite you to. Online. But you know, I don't want to. I don't want to jump in your parties because you're usually chilling with your buds, like three or four of your friends, just chilling. We're, so you've been. You've been playing. Mm-hmm. You've been. You've been hunting monsters with with your boys, right? Yeah, I've been, um, I was big into Monster Hunter World. I started playing Monster Hunter, I think it was Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate for Wii U was the first time I played a Monster Hunter game. And I remember booting it up, being excited, and then, you know, being kind of initially turned off by the controls because Monster Hunter controls are very specific. There's no other game on the planet that plays like Monster Hunter. And so there is a steep learning curve for just the controls of the game. And I remember that being this weird hurdle. But once I got past that, loved it. So I played Monster Hunter 4, played Monster Hunter uh, World, um, played Monster Hunter Rise on Switch a little bit, but not too much because most of my core squad was on Xbox. But now that Monster Hunter Rise is on Xbox and on Game Pass, oh man, I've, I've been all in. I think I'm, God, 30 hours in. So the squad's been going pretty hard. We've been we've been getting our hunts on at night. And uh, yeah, it feels really good to have uh monster hunter back back on the old xbox let me tell you ran yeah yeah all right i'm gonna get to some super chats before we move into our next topic which i'm excited to hear your thoughts about all right first up we got carl andrews jr who says sorry for screwing up your last name that's on me my bad <laughs> appreciate See, you, you you got the culprit right there miles dumper carl, carl andrews will go down in history as the, the, the person who coined miles dumper appreciate you Hargy Chani says, hey, Miles and Rand. So let me get this straight. IGN's first project for you, an Xbox podcaster, is a PS5 exclusive. I know we were joking about that behind the scenes because my first project was actually supposed to be The Witcher, uh, definitive, definitive edition. But timing just didn't work out. Um, so I ended up jumping on Forspoken next. So yes, it was funny that, you know, me who's, you know, associated with Xbox in a lot of ways, first IGN video was... Uh, playstation exclusive so it's it's true you know i am now a sony pony i am a playstation fanboy because i have done a forespoken video gold shell says Rand said monster hunter rush teasing with a crossover oh shit 
Monster Hunter Rise. Did I say that? Nah. You know, <laughs> no. you know me. Sometimes I, I screw up. I'm human, you know? Exactly. We're, we're all human. Uh, Cinedex, my dude, channel member, appreciate you. Thanks for joining. Itchy, don't let Rand fool you. He is an insider. Rand, are you an insider? No, that's insider? not true. No, no. Rand out insider? I will, I will forever push, push back on these false claims from Jez Corden and others. He says I'm gaslighting people, but it's not true. Not true. Um, I, I am not. You're not. Okay, Rand. No. Are, okay. I trust you're you. You're more of an insider than me. I'm not. I don't I don't I don't want to be in that You're bubble. in the games media. I'm in you're the games. You're at IGN. Media. You have all the secrets. You have the Bible, right? I, I, that's right. I'm on I'm in the true inner circle, the true media elite, if you will. Um all right, Rand. The next thing I want to talk about is Dead Space remake. Because Ooh, yes. it's been a big week for games. We've had yeah. Forspoken, as we've touched on. We've had Hi-Fi Rush, and we've mm -hmm. had Dead Space Remake. So the start of this year has been really strong. And this week in particular has been massive. And a game that has kind of risen above. And a game that you and I on this show, we had some concerns about. You know, we, we talked about EA. Did, we, did I have concerns about it? I think I was pretty positive from the start. I just wanted Dead Space to come back, baby. Yeah, I mean, that's true, but I think, you know, the gen the consensus from some, myself included, was, you know, EA did Visceral incredibly dirty, and sure. then they were just going to bring back Dead Space only after folks like Capcom have proven that that's right. a way to make money. Which, but that's how this industry goes, Miles. You know mm -hmm. this industry is all about copycats. Nobody wants, nobody wants to do these sort of things until somebody else does it first and shows them that it can be done and can be profitable. And mm -hmm. EA is one of those companies that is perfectly happy putting out their yearly Maddens and their yearly FIFAs and taking that ultimate team money and, and, playing and, and getting that money from Apex, right? It wasn't until that Capcom showed them the boy and was like, L listen, not only is horror back baby with resident evil 7 resident evil 8 but more specifically that you have these beloved games from earlier generations right very popular franchises that you can remake now because it's been such a long time and that people will love them Mm -hmm. People will buy them and you will make money. So Capcom's like, yo, we showed how it's done. We laid the blueprint down. Resident Evil 2, probably the standard of how a remake should be, right? Ooh, the gold standard. That, the gold that standard. Is it, that, that is the what everyone should aspire to. That they did Resident Evil 3, which I appreciate. Not as good as 2, but 3 never was as good as 2 in the first place. Exactly. Right? It was a little bit more action-oriented, whatever. Uh -huh. Still really good. And then you get... Maybe the GOAT Part 2 with Resident Evil 4 coming, oh, right? Another oh. one of the Holy Grails, right? Mm. But not only even that, you got like Silent Hill 2 coming, right? You have... Alone you know, in the Dark is coming well, back. Whatever, whatever, Alone in the Dark. But uh, you also have Kotar being remade, right? You have even... There's, there's rumors flying that Metal Gear is getting mm -hmm. a remake or whatever. So it's like you have Capcom doing extremely well, making all this money and this horror stuff, and EA is sitting there on a treasure trove, which was kind of a cult classic, even though it sold 
decently. It wasn't like the big seller that EA wanted it to be, which is one of the reasons why with the third game, they introduced co-op and microtransactions, and most people didn't like it, and then the franchise was shuttered. Visceral had to make a Battlefield game, Battlefield Hardline, and then they were shut down so they could save the money so they could buy Respawn, which, when you look at it, was probably the right financial decision for them. I mean, right. Respawn's, Respawn has been a workhorse yes. for EA, for sure. You know, I Absolutely. wonder if like the idea of like Star Wars uh, doing well for a single-player game combined with the renaissance of horror, with uh, remakes doing well, convinced EA to be like, all right, let's bring back Dead Space. And they brought it back. And you know what? Oh, my God. It's, it's so freaking good. You know, there was, there was some trepidation that maybe motive would screw it up, but they, I mean, I've, I played the first level. I've, you know, I got, I got it last night. They haven't. It's a love letter. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's not like, it's not a one-to-one remake either. There's extra things, you know, Isaac talks in this, which he didn't in the first game, which I appreciate that now because even when I played the original, I don't know how you feel about this. I'm not the biggest fan of silent protagonists because I feel like if I was in that scenario, I would be talking. So yeah. I always kind of like I understand like when you played Half-Life back in the day, Gordon Freeman doesn't talk, right? Uh, or you play Halo back in the day, Master Chief barely talks. At least he, he he barely talks. But I was never really a fan of of silent protagonists. So I actually really appreciate that they're remaking this game, right? A 2008 game, and how incredible it looks now with the advancements that uh you know the graphics have have done and all these sort of things but then that isaac talks so it adds like a different it also adds sort of a different experience uh, of what you know of dead space because now there's extra dialogue but bro when i loaded it up last night and you come out of warp and you see this shimura and you get on the platform and the 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 the, um necromorphs drop down and you get the plasma cutter and you're just sitting there hitting right bumper to change it from vertical to horizontal as the firing mode. And you're just dismembering the limbs and then using right trigger to stomp on them the to stomp, get stomp, baby. Bro, uh-huh. it felt felt like I was home, Miles. Uh, it felt so right, you know? That warms my heart, dude. Yeah, because like you said, there were some negative beats. I remember when they were showcasing like the the animation for him holding his gun, and a lot of people were like being very negative about this kind of early footage that they were showing. I think they were showcasing actually the audio, if I remember right. Yeah. There's these yeah, little developer jobs. And I remember people doing side-by-side comparisons with that and the original of Isaac lifting his arm to hold the gun. And I remember people were being kind of brutal about it. And I was like, oh, man. Like, I think some people are, you know, kind of hoping this doesn't land. Or And so to see it come out to just universal acclaim, the reviews for this, I wasn't sure where they would land. I knew they would be good. But I didn't think they would be, you know, so many people are saying that this is on the level of a Resident Evil 2. And this should be in the conversations with Resident Evil 2 in terms of horror remakes. And I'm with you. I haven't played it myself, but I've I've been working on some projects. So I've edited several hours of footage for it. And it's really cool to have Isaac talk because I actually, you know, despite complaints about the story of of three I liked the focus on Isaac as a character and the focus on Isaac trying to reconnect with his uh, his wife, right? They're married, right? Yes, Nicole. Yes. yes. So Make reco- this whole... Yeah, to have that, that whole arc gets to be played into a lot more and you actually get to, you know, connect with Isaac 
a little bit more from a narrative perspective, where before it was, you're being immersed in this experience. It is a horror experience. It still is that in a lot of ways, but I do appreciate that Isaac talks. I know that was another point where like, I don't want Isaac to talk. I'm like, why not? You want to play a Resident Evil game where Leon doesn't talk? Well, it's because he doesn't talk in the first one, so why should he talk in the second one? I sort of, I, I also thought it weird that people, like, like, I guess maybe I'm not as jaded as some others, where, oh, they're going to screw this up, why are they remaking this, it's not going to be good. I'm like, if they do it well, of course it's going to be good, because one, the blueprint's there. Dead Space yeah. is an amazing game, like, so it's like you're you're remaking a game that's already amazing, right? Like so it's like when they're like, "Hey, we're remaking Shadow of the Colossus or remake like it's like, yeah, that's going to be great because the the bones of Shadow of the Colossus are fantastic. One of all-time great games, right? Mm-hmm. Resident Evil 2 was a little bit different because they were going to remake it, but they obviously clearly weren't going to do uh, isometric cameras. Right, so it's like they were gonna do fully 3D, and how does that translate? And it was like better than anyone could possibly imagine. So yeah, I, I guess maybe it's some of it's because oh, it's EA, screw EA, we yeah. all hate EA. And EA, they, right? you know, they fumbled before and yeah, they've they done have. things not in the interest of of players and and their own games even. So I understand some of that. Yeah, bro, it's just I'm so happy it's back. Like I loaded it up, and I could, all right, I guess I say like. I, you know who's really probably got to be disappointed right now? It's got to be Glenn Schofield. <laughs> I kind of feel for him. Because I know, he creates I was... Dead Space, right? Which kind of becomes a cult hit. He leaves uh, Visceral, goes form striking distance, and is like, I'm going to make spiritual successor to Dead Space. Mm-hmm. We're going to call it the Callisto Protocol, right? And we're going to do our game. And at the meantime... Here's EA remaking Dead Space. Uh-huh. And Same then Clues the Protocol's like every Keeley show showing it off. Like, look at this game, and people are excited, be like, okay, that's the Dead Space we want. But then but then EA's like, uh oh, but you want the real Dead Space, and here it is. And it's like, oh, December, Clues the Protocol comes out, and then a month later, Dead Space comes out. And then people get their hands on Clues the Protocol, and it's not the Dead Space successor that people really were looking for. And it came out to middling reviews. And then a month later, the game you actually wanted comes out, and it's better than you possibly could imagine. I sort of feel bad for him. Dude, I'm, I'm with you. I was rooting for Callisto Protocol so hard because, because of the way Visceral was handled, because of the way, you know, the, this whole Dead Space situation was playing out. And there was the conversations of, you know, at one point in time, I was talking with other folks like Jez, like, okay, well... You know, are people going to be as amped for the Dead Space remake if Callisto Protocol comes out and hits? And um, as you touched on, it didn't really hit in a universal way. People still like it. There are. I'm not saying it's a bad yeah. game. People, no, I mean, st- it, has its, it has its pros. It has its cons. Mostly, I think most people were kind of like, eh, there's something here. Maybe for a sequel, if they refine some of these things. A lot of people, I think, were turned off by the whole melee, melee dodging mechanic. Yep. Um, and I, I had some issues. Like I didn't think the enemies were very unique. They all sort of looked the same, and they all had the same attack. And they just kind of, they just kind of stumbled towards you to attack you, right? I think you had one enemy that would spit at you. Uh, but like for the most part, I didn't find the enemies very unique or interesting looking. Whereas like Dead Space, it's like yeah, you got the shamblers, but then like they constantly introduce different types of enemies with different style attacks. 
And on, and then the other thing was the guns. Like your your weapons in Callisto was like a bog standard pistol, right? A shotgun pistol, a tactical pistol, a shotgun, uh, an assault rifle, and your stun baton. Whereas like in Dead Space, you got you know uh, uh, the plasma cutter, which I mean, is the, the uh, cutter tool. is like that's just iconic. Yeah, at this it's point. iconic. But then you you got flamethrower, you got the line gun, you got the the force gun, you got the assault rifle. All, like the the so the enemies are more interesting. The the guns are more interesting. I I think the scenario in Dead Space is more interesting. Of like you're on a derelict spaceship. What the hell's going on? Rather than like you're on a prison colony, right? So it's like I I don't know. I I I, I feel like Dead Space is just it's. It, I guess it's hard to always kind of like live up to your to your former glory and like we made this thing and it's. It's it's like basically one of the standards in the horror genre, but we're gonna make we're gonna try to make something again, but we don't exactly want to recreate Dead Space, so we're gonna do things a little bit differently, and you end up with Callista Protocol, uh, you know. But I mean, I don't want to like really crap on Callista Protocol that much because you know it, it, there are some it, cool things that it's just it just wasn't done well enough. But like Miles Dead Space though, bro. Like seriously, like. I haven't played it since 2008. You know, um, I got all the achievements in it, so I, I've done like a regular playthrough, a playthrough just using the plasma cutter, an impossible playthrough or whatever. So it's been 14 years or 15 years now, and I, I, I there just in the first level, I, there's a couple jump scares that got me. Oh, like, yeah, I'm like kind of like timid, like going through. And they they do this one thing, a uh, one change where it's like you have to use a circuit breaker to like kind of change. Like there's this one part where you need to open up this door, and there's circuit breakers, and you need to flip between them, which wasn't something in the first game at all. So it's like okay, I'm gonna take power from the elevator, uh, but I need to open up this door. So I need to get downstairs to open up this door, but if I remove the power from the elevator, I can't get downstairs. So what you have to do is, it's like you can choose two. It's either um, the elevator, you can power the elevator, you can power the lights, or you can power this other door. But you can only choose two of them. Oh, and since you need to get okay. to the door under downstairs, you have to keep the elevator powered because you wouldn't be able to get downstairs. So you, you have to turn the lights off. And it's really dark. And of course, as you turn the lights off, necromorphs start coming out of everywhere and you're like where where are they at you're listening to your head like what are they behind me but you can't see anything because it's super dark and your plasma cut has got a little flash a uh, bro heart pumping heart pumping bro heart like pumping. and then they even had they even had like a heart pumping in the soundtrack when stuff is going on so you even you hear it and you feel it i was like oh my god this is this is even though it's the same area you remember it's totally different because you can't see shit bro oh I was like, dude, that, that, out of 10, heart, that heartbeat out of system is such a cool way to build tension because you, you feel it and they incorporate it in a way that's dynamic. So when things are ramping up, Isaac's heartbeat is part of that. And Isaac's heartbeat will ramp up and you'll hear that. So you're like, oh no, Isaac's heartbeat is racing. So now in turn, my heartbeat is racing. What's happening? Like you said, you can't see. It's very dark. The game is very, very dark. And I think that's to great effect. And they do a lot of really interesting things with that. But man... It is, I'm so excited. I, I, you know, I have it. I haven't 
dive dove into it because I had some friends in from out of town this weekend, so we're going to be hanging out. But I'm really looking forward to Dead Space being back because Dead Space was such an important horror game. You, you all know me. Horror is a big deal for me in general. But there was this period of time where survival horror in particular was on a big decline. and People were unsure of how to make a horror game or how to push horror forward. And then Dead Space came out 2008 and said, bam, this is how you do it. This is how you make modern horror. And that was such a big, important moment. And, you know, I like too. I honestly think Dead Space 2 is the best of the trilogy. So I would... I'm curious to see if they're going to remake two after this or if they're going to use this as a jumping off point for like the new start of whatever they do next. But see, um, that's my hope. My hope is that this does well and it and Dead Space gets the success that it always was deserved, yes. even though nowadays dev costs for stuff are always super high and you never know what the ceiling is for something to buy not be a financial success. And I feel like if it is a success, they are obligated to remake Dead Space 2. Because Dead Space 2 is almost as beloved as Dead Space 1. I know there's a group that are like, my favorite's Dead Space 1 because I like the pure survival horror aspect of it, right? Which is what it is. Yes. But then yes. there are others that are like, no, Dead Space 2 is the better one because it's more action-y. It's still survival horror, but it's 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 more action oriented. And honestly, if you were to put a gun to my head, I would probably say Dead Space Two is my favorite of the trilogy, closely, very closely followed by Dead Space. Because there's stuff in Dead Space Two that I find super interesting, and they play off of the things that happen in Dead. Like, I don't know how much we want to spoil Dead Space Two, but yeah, we don't have to talk about the ending per se. In case yeah, but do, like, but. Some of that works because, like, I just remember playing Dead Space 2 and the part where you, like, actually go back to the Ishimura. <gasps> and that works because of how the time you spent in the first game in the Ishimura. Right? Oh, dude. Oh, the intro. Uh, like, the intro to Dead Space 2 is one of the greatest in-gaming history. One of the bro. greatest starts to any video game bar yes. none. Oh it's like, my god. Enough for the f no no more frills. It's just like boom, Isaac, you're 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 going, you're in, you you got some stuff to do. But dude, and I and I remember like Dead Space 2, I always remember in my head when I, we had we had a we had a question on Xbox 2. It was like you got a million gamer score and you got a bunch of achievements. What is like the hardest, most difficult one you've gotten? And it's like it's always tough to say, but always one that pops in my mind was, and I don't know if you remember this, there was an achievement in Dead Space 2 for beating the game with only using three saves. Oh, that's right. Yes, I do I remember that. that one. Oh, and that oh was... God. I still remember that because you had to like plan out where you're going to use your first save. And luckily on the Xbox 360, there was, it was two discs. So there was like basically a save you would get when you would move over to the next disc that wasn't present on the PlayStation three at the time because it had you know the blu-ray discs or whatever so it was like okay i remember like reading online like all right the, the the optimal strategy is like you need to get to chapter five save here you need to get the chapter eight save here and you need to get this chapter save here but like when you're low on health because i think it was also hard difficulty if i remembered correctly that they, they did it on it was like you know here you are dying and then like boop now you gotta replay three levels it was very much you know you're dreading things i i still remember that but my hope is that this does well 
just like with Capcom, they did Resident Evil 2, then Resident Evil 3, Resident Evil 4. They decide, all right, let's do Dead Space 2. Because the fans, I think the fans would revolt if they were suddenly like, no, new game. People are like, no, you need to redo Dead Space 2. <laughs> right? Then, just you can do whatever you want for Dead Space 3. Make it completely new. Right? Because I don't think anybody would be hurt if you were like, we are not remaking Dead Space 3. Because for most people... That was the end of the franchise. I don't even really consider it existing because I wasn't that big of a fan of it. Um, to me, it's it was the Resident Evil 5. I think Dead Space 3 is super fun. The, the weapon customization system was so good, and you could make the most ridiculous weapons, which made killing enemies fun, which made the gameplay, the moment-to-moment gameplay in Dead Space 3 was the best, for sure. It was the best-feeling Dead Space of the original trilogy, but you lost pretty much all of the horror. There was some horror, but it was kind of like Resident Evil 5, where it's a great, fun co-op game, but not necessarily a great horror game. So if you wanted pure, straight horror, Dead Space 3 did not deliver that. So it's interesting, and I understand why a lot of people didn't like it. Um, I'm kind of getting nostalgic for that era, and I'm kind of wishing that like the next Resident Evil or something brings back co-op. Because, you know, as much as we clown on games like Resident Evil 5 and, and 6 in particular... Uh, it was fun. It was fun to have, you know, a goofy co-op horror game. So, yeah, I like Dead Space 3. I'm not going to fault anyone who doesn't, but I, I played that like four or five times through with a couple buddies because it was, again, just, just a fun game. Just a really fun game. Bro, the DLC. Remember the DLC of Dead Space 3? I do. I do remember the DLC, yeah. How crazy it was? It got, yeah, that's, and then it sets it up again. Mild spoilers if you haven't beat up Dead Space 3. But Dead Space 3 ends with a total cliffhanger. Just a total cliffhanger. And you're like, oh, snap. Where's Isaac going next? And they're like, nowhere. Uh, nowhere. <laughs> he's, uh... he's going absolutely nowhere. <laughs> We're fridging Isaac and the Dead Space franchise because it's not making us money. And we need, to, we need them to make a Battlefield game. Battlefield Hardline. Uh, but hurts, yeah. But... So my hope is that Dead Space does well. They remake Dead Space 2 in a few years. I'll be in heaven because, Dude. oh my God, I really want to replay Dead Space 2. Dude, and then, oh, if Dead Space 2 is like the RE2 remake, my God, dude. Oh. And then, oh. you know, you can make, and then Motive can maybe make their own Dead Space 3, taken in a different direction or something. But, but I really do feel if they were to announce, we're doing Dead Space 2, but it's going to be completely new, I think people would revolt. I'd be yep. like, no, 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 no. You need to remake Dead Space 2. <laughs> you need to, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, like, you and I are on the same page. I, Dead Space 1, amazing. Love it. Was very important. Dead Space 2, for me, elevated. One of the most perfectly paced games. It's yep. a game that I remember beating the first time in, like, two or three sittings because I just, I wouldn't put the controller down. I would just go. And the flow of the game just kept pushing me forward. And there was never, like, a moment where I felt I could just put the controller down. I was just sucked into that game. Um, so yeah, Dead Space 2, love it, love seeing Dead Space back, gotta give a shout out to all the amazing people joining us live, huge shout out to everyone here, returning faces, Amit, Yodani, Hargeet, amazing folks tuning in, if you are new to the channel, we are live every Saturday at 1pm Eastern Time or 10am Pacific, and if you're digging the show, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel maybe, if, if you're having a good time here. Quick super chat relating to this topic, Rand. Face23BKNY says, Glenn Schofield created Sledgehammer Games first, then Striking Distance. Rand, in my opinion, Callisto Protocol looks better graphically than Dead Space Remake on console. How do you feel? Uh, 
I mean, well, they're very different styles. I will say it's one of yeah. I mean, I guess I guess that's the one thing Clue still has going forward is it's is it it is very good looking. Yes, and it probably yeah yeah you can make the argument that it's better uh, looking than Dead Space, but graphics ain't everything. Yeah, it's a, two know? different styles. Yeah. Uh, one thing Callisto Protocol does really well is it's very cinematic. So I was doing some comparison shots of Callisto Protocol and Dead Space this week. And one thing that Callisto does really well is, is the, the cinematic moments that lead into gameplay. And Dead Space, this isn't necessarily a, a fault per se, it's a different style choice. Dead Space does the Half-Life thing with static shots. So when you watch like the opening sequence of like the people getting murdered in Dead Space, you're just it's a static shot of you and you can control the camera freely, whereas Callisto Protocol takes control of the camera yeah. from you and shows you the specific hyper angle and which is cool Hollywood flair. Um, but there's something kind of to be said about the the classic design philosophy of Dead Space that you know puts that in your well, there, there, hands. There are some scenarios where they do take the camera away from you in Dead Space. It's I been a long time. True. Like, uh, in the first chapter, you know, you get back to your ship, and your ship explodes. And, you know, there's basically, you, you get blown out the front window, and then you hit the railing, and as you're getting up, you're watching it kind of fall into, you know, then blow up. But you don't have camera control, so it definitely looks cinematic, right? Exactly, yes. And I don't know if that's how it was in 2008. Or if this is something they did more for the remake, but um, it definitely has its moments. But yeah, you're right. Like when the Necromorts first come, it's like you're just standing there with full control and they drop down and kill the guy and you need to run. Whereas like, yeah, there's a lot of moments in Kalisto that are very much... Kalisto sort of felt like... Um, like, a, like, a, like if a Sony studio wanted to make a horror game. Right. It was very much, yeah, I mean, they got a lot of real-life actors, so it was very much inspired yeah, by Hollywood. Right, very cinematic, yeah. real-life actors, um, you know, and a lot of mocap and stuff, and yeah, but it just, it missed a lot of the, a lot of marks on, on, on a lot of stuff for a lot of people, so, you know, and it, we'll see, we'll see if they do a sequel for Kalista Protocol 2. Like, I'm kind of iffy. It's like, I don't really need one right away like I did for Dead Space. When I first, when I finished Dead Space, I'm like, God, I want to play, I want Dead Space 2. With this one, Kalista Protocol, I'm like, eh, eh, I could, eh, sure, I guess, but I, like, I'm not going to lose sleep over it, you know, oh, yeah. whatever. Like, I'll play it, but yeah, not clamoring for it. Um, all right, Rand, one topic brought up here by the legend, Hargi, with the sick burger badge, says, so has anyone done the an analysis of Phil's shelf from the IGN interview? Also, what do you think of Frank Shaw's tweets about Lion Jim Ryan? So I was joking, joking with you, Rand, that maybe we would have a show where we didn't have to talk about Yeah, and look, Hargy brings it up. But mm. we're going to have to dabble with some ABK. So if you don't know, I'll, I'll get everyone up to speed on the latest developments. So Frank Shaw, who I believe is the head of communications for Xbox, correct me mm. if I'm wrong on that title, he put out a series of tweets basically saying that he had heard that, you know, Jim Ryan and Sony was going to Brussels, I believe, to tell folks at the EU, I believe, that Microsoft did not offer concessions on Call of Duty. There was no 10-year parody offered <laughs> for Call of Duty. And so Frank Shaw was coming out and saying, no, that's not true. That's, that's straight up not true. We've even offered to have a legally binding contract that says we'll do it. So there was a bunch of drama. You've seen the headlines 
Jim Ryan lies to the EU about the Activision Blizzard deal. So a couple of questions here. Rand, have you dove into Phil's shelves? Have you taken a gander to see what, what secrets he might be hiding this time around from the IGN interview? No, I mean, I know, I know people are saying, oh my God, there's the Project Keystone thing again. We got to show Phil's shelf. Uh, I didn't really look at it. Um, you know, the, the whole Frank Shaw's tweet about like, oh man, Sony's out here doing this. The thing is, Microsoft and Sony have different views about what parody would entail, right? Like Frank's like, we we're, we're, we we agree to parody, you know. Basically, what was his his exact? Tweet he said like? like it was like performance, uh, release date, something. He listed like four specific metrics for parody. He listed yeah. four uh, specific. Let me, see, let me see if I can get the tweets. Let's okay, see. yeah, he you says, can pull up the tweets. That would. Um. Uh, I hear Sony's briefing people in Brussels, claiming Microsoft is unwilling to offer them parity for Call of Duty, nothing be further from the truth. We've been clear we've offered Sony a 10-year deal to give them parity on timing, content, features, quality, playability, and any other aspect of the game. All right, so timing, content, features, parity, or quality, and playability. The, I think what Sony, the, the parity Sony wants is, Sony wants the status quo to remain the same. They like their exclusive deals for DLC, right? They like having the marketing as mm -hmm. well. Yes. So to Sony, it's not like Microsoft being like, we'll offer you this, 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 and this, and this. For parity, Sony's, uh, it's all about basically them still having the advantages over Microsoft. And one of the things I think they're also 100% against is Game Pass, right? So to Sony, parity is Call of Duty is either on every subservice on game pass as well as playstation plus or it's on no subservice because if it's on xbox game pass but not on playstation plus that's not parody and that's not fair that's i think what sony's really arguing to them is that if if they were to get abk and microsoft were able to put it in game pass that would significantly harm their business yes and like Microsoft would essentially be sort of foreclosing on them to a certain degree. And, and that because Call of Duty makes up a, a significant port of their, portion of their revenue, that it would really harm their business and their ability to innovate and their ability to invest. So like Microsoft is out here being like, what are you talking about? We'll offer you contractual things for timing, release dates, quality, all these sort of things. But what Sony wants is no. It's either not on game. It's either not on any sub subservice, or it's on every subservice. So nobody gets an advantage. Or two, we want things to remain the same. We want the marketing deal. Like it's you know like, and it's like, well, who the hell is Sony to demand these sort of things? Like, like why do they get to basically lead these discussions and and say to people like, no. Xbox and Microsoft can't do these things with a property they own. And that is some of the question marks because you'd have to be sitting there and be like, wait a minute. Because just before this Xbox developer direct on Wednesday, the day before everybody was like, Xbox is dead. They're done. The financial results came in. They were down. PlayStation fans are celebrating in the Twitter streets. Uh, Xbox is finished. They're down 
They're screwed. They got no games. But at the same time, they're out here being like, you can't let them get ABK. They're Monopoly. It'd be too much. Right? Like, sort of. And Call of Duty's not even going to be exclusive. Diablo 4 is going to be multi-platform. Who knows if there's any going to be any exclusive games. So it's just like, sort of, you know, you go from Xbox being dead one day to like, you know, the next day it's like, oh, here's Hi-Fi Rush. Oh, Xbox got games. Uh, you know, and Sony outselling Xbox everywhere in the world. And, you know, but Sony's out here as the market leader basically telling regulators that it's not fair to them. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you so scared of? Like, I, I understand it'd be better for your business if Call of Duty remained with PlayStation, like, remain, you know, third party. I get it. But you're out here making these wild-ass claims that if you lost Call of Duty, it would be such, you know, harm to you as a business. And what you really don't want is you really don't want Microsoft with more negotiating power. You don't want Microsoft with making more money. You don't want Game Pass to grow and grow and grow and grow to become more of a problem for you. It's all about you, right? Mm -hmm. Sony's out here being like, we're doing this. Because you you read their theories of harm. They're like, this will destroy competition. It will harm developers. It will harm gamers. Like Sony's out here. And to be fair, I also don't like the fact that they're they both positioning themselves as like, we're for the gamers. Like Sony's yes, like, yes. we're against the steal because it's going to hurt gamers. And Microsoft's like, we just want to help gamers. Right. <laughs> you just want to make money. Let's be, yeah. I love you Xbox, but you, this isn't primarily about the gamers. Okay. Let's be real with right. all of ourselves. It's not and, primarily about the gamers. Okay. And you know, like you can, you like Frank, Frank's whole thing, right. Is that he makes these tweets and Xbox has done this before. Right. And he's like, our goal is to bring Call of Duty and other games, as we did with Minecraft, to more people around the world so they can play them where and how they want. But then people look at that statement as a little bit self self serving and a little bit hypocritical because then they'll be like, well, if you want more people around the world so they can play them where and how they want, some of those people want to play them on PlayStation. So. Why isn't Starfield on PlayStation? That's that's a big. Why isn't Elder Scrolls on PlayStation? Right. So PlayStation is the market leader, and that's the reason you want to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Then, well, because he even said Sony is the console market leader, and it would defy business logic for us to exclude PlayStation gamers from the Call of Duty ecosystem. So some people just throw his logic back at him. He's like, "Well, if they're the console market leader, wouldn't it defy business logic for Starfield not to be on the PlayStation?" And then there's things to consider, microtransactions. Call of Duty yeah. is a platform. Like well, Fortnite. yeah, no, I, I think it makes sense for Starfield to be exclusive, and it makes sense yeah. for Elder Scrolls to be exclusive because those are one-time purchases, whereas Call of Duty makes all of its money from microtransactions. And as a free-to-play game, you want it to be in the hands of many people. You don't necessarily yes. need that for the Bethesda game. So it makes sense to me, business-wise, that, okay... You don't need the Bethesda games on PlayStation to make your money back because you can make your money back in other ways, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you make those arguments online and you're like, we want more people to play where they want to play and it defies... People are going to throw back at you, yeah, but you, you just did it with Bethesda and you made all of them exclusive. So you you really can't be about we want people to play where they want and how they want because you're not letting people want people play elder scrolls on playstation right so it's a little bit of like 
Oh, well, we only really mean Call of Duty, but not these these other things. They're um, both they're both falling into this trap of like acting like they're the underdog that they, you know, that this needs to happen well, yeah, because Mike, Mike, Microsoft's whole thing is like, listen, uh, regulators, we just suck at games, bro. Yeah, like, we, we are just not good at making games. We don't really have an exclusive. Sony's got all these things. We're just we Play, just suck. Let us have crushing TV. us, okay? We yeah. need it. We need if we don't have Call of Duty, how are we supposed to compete? And, and then so, PlayStation's like, we can't compete without Call of Duty. And it's funny because this whole they're arguing all over Call of Duty when really the deal was made for mobile and then for Blizzard for PC. And it was just, but like everybody's focused, hyper focused on Call of Duty because it's the biggest game r- right now. It's the biggest yearly game. And it, it's like the thing that everybody is focused on. But for Microsoft, it's like that's not even it's 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 about king for them because Phil's talked about the idea of how if if Xbox doesn't have a mobile presence in the future, then the business becomes untenable, which is direct quote from him. Yes. So yeah. you're talking about the future now. It's like you look at the revenue of the of of gaming as a whole. The console stuff is basically is not that much. It's uh, most of the money is generated from mobile, and Microsoft has zero presence on mobile. So you look in the future, it's like, well, how, where do we go? Like, you need that mobile presence, and King was going to give it to him. Microsoft wants the App Store. That's what this. Yeah. That's what this plays about. Is Microsoft is looking to have their own App Store, and they just right now don't have the app, the apps established to do so. But if you put Candy Crush, if you put Call of Duty Mobile, and yeah. you have those, that is automatically justification. Diablo Immortal, yeah. like like all Epic those other Game things. Store. Epic Games Store is like, we have Fortnite, so we're going to make Fortnite an Epic Games launcher. You need the Epic app on your PC to play it. And so that's kind of the move that I think Microsoft wants on the mobile side. But when we talk about Call of Duty, when we talk about that component of it, really what this is, is there's a specific reason PlayStation is investing heavily in ongoing games now. Because they are realizing that right now they've invested a lot of money and resources into the Call of Duty machine. A lot of exclusive marketing, a lot of exclusive content, and Call of Duty has been this great revenue stream for them. I don't want to say money for nothing because they've put a lot of money into marketing, millions and millions of dollars. But that being said, they don't have to actively develop this. They don't have to spend all these resources on Call of Duty. They just associate the brand heavily with Call of Duty and they get money. They get a ton of money every single year because a lot of people on PlayStation are buying Call of Duty. There are a lot of Call of Duty fans who play the game on PlayStation because of the perks and the exclusive content. And really what this is about, as you touched on, is PlayStation does not want to lose that, and they're trying to delay that as long as possible because right now they don't have an answer to that. And if Call of Duty goes to Game Pass immediately, if Xbox has a way to swing perks in the favor of Xbox, and PlayStation doesn't have a big ongoing game hit by then, that's just going to be a huge financial hit to the business. And so that's, I understand, like, you do what you got to do for the business, but it's also so tiring to see figures like Jim Ryan talk about, you know, yeah. being unable to compete and, you know, being this woe is me figure in the space when, again, both of them are falling in the trap of acting like they don't have the means to compete when they both realistically do. Um, but that being said, for PlayStation, I don't want to say it's dire. That's probably a little bit dramatic, but PlayStation knows that there is potential for them to lose a lot of annual revenue forever. And they're going to have to make that up somehow, and they don't have a game. What ongoing game does PlayStation have right now? 
What, what? None. They don't, they don't have, have one. Any, they don't have yeah. a Sea of Thieves. They don't have anything that's just keeping money. They don't have a Minecraft. That's why they bought Destiny. Destiny is a way to offset that immediately in the short term. Boom, there it is. They have this ongoing revenue stream. They need more of those. They want more of those. And that's what this Call of Duty drama is about. That's why the Call of Duty noise has been so loud. That's why Jim Ryan is flying out to Brussels and getting in these people's ears because at, you know, best case scenario, he delays this for a little while. <laughs> but uh, like you said, I don't think they want to lose any sort of advantage with Call of yeah, Duty. They love their advantages. They loved how Xbox was a non-factor for them last generation. They love stomping them. That's the sort of competition Sony likes. Microsoft set shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, they want to go back to the, the PS4 era when yeah. Wii U and Xbox One were their competition. <laughs> like, yeah. They don't, they don't want a stronger Nintendo, which you could even say is even bigger than PlayStation, right? I mean, they, I think they sell more, right? Uh, they don't want Xbox getting better and taking more of their market share and potentially taking more of, play, of Call of Duty's revenue away from them because then their revenue goes down. That's something that PlayStation doesn't want to see, so they will fight it tooth and nail, which is what they're doing. So they're out there telling regulators, like, listen... This doesn't work for us, which is, it's just laughable that they can be out there saying those things like, oh, nope, nope, this will ruin competition, this will harm consumers, and this will hurt developers. It's like, none of that stuff even makes sense. Like, you're against it because, yes, you'll have to compete more, so you're like, screw this, let's just help, let's just go over there and be like... They won't give us parity. And it's like, well, they said they would, but no, we mean parity. We mean we get to keep the marketing rights and we don't want it on Game Pass. That's parity for PlayStation. The, the status quo is parity for them, you know? So hypothetical here, Rand, imagine a scenario where they're like, okay, Xbox is tired of dealing with it, tired of hearing about it, maybe potentially worried that PlayStation and other people could influence the decision of this deal. So they say, fine, okay it can come to PlayStation Plus as well as Game Pass. But you're not getting that for free. Yeah, well, you got to so, pay for it. So imagine that scenario where Xbox is just ends up making money every single year from PlayStation off this deal because PlayStation has to pony up for, get, for, get, or yeah, for well, PlayStation but Plus. So, and it's, it's Call of Duty. It's not going to be cheap getting Call of Duty no, and PlayStation no, it'd be, Plus. It'd be ain't gonna super, be cheap. But, but that's why Sony doesn't want that, though. They don't want to pay that every Sony's, year. Sony, Sony's saying basically that you can't let them have it on game pass because the, like game pass is like you know the leader in subscriptions and it would create this sort of quasi it would equate this like monopoly which they wouldn't be able to compete with or whatever even though privately jim ryan to his employees is like we're not worried about game pass we've sold more playstations in two years than than game pass game pass has subscribers so it's like He's saying one thing to the regulators and then saying another thing out of his mouth to everybody else, which is why I just love Jim Ryan. You know, I, I love lying Jim Ryan. Um, but he, even then, I don't think PlayStation wants Call of Duty in their subscription service. They want right? that because big, they want that 30% cut off the well, $70 game. They, they don't want to have to pay Microsoft this huge amount for a day one Call of Duty game. And if you do that, then maybe Sony's players start asking, "Well, if you're gonna, if Call of Duty's day one, why aren't your own games day one?" Like they won't, Sony won't put their own games day one, but like, you know, so they would have to pay 
and they would lose, you know, because people would subscribe and they wouldn't necessarily uh, buy it. So Sony's losing out on the thirty percent. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a scenario where they actually want Call of Duty on PlayStation One, PlayStation Plus. They, they want, they want Call of Duty on no subscription service is what they want. Yeah. But I just find it hysterical that they, they're out here making these demands when they're the console market leader by a significant amount. And they're basically saying like this. This would be devastating for us. And the worst part is, is that the regulators are at least somewhat listening because it seems like Frank Shaw is frustrated by that. He's like, right. Sony's out here saying this, this, this. He's, they're talking all this talk. They're telling these people these things, and it's just not true, right? We're we're ready to sign a ten year deal. We'll we'll make it enforceable by regulators or whatever else, like. We have parity on everything, and they're still out there being like you won't. And and I think I think it has to fall in line with basically. I, I personally think Sony's pa- version of parity is how everything works now. Sony wants to retain market the marketing rights, and Sony doesn't want Call of Duty on any subscription service. And Microsoft's not going to agree to that because they want it on theirs. So they're over. Telling to the regulators, like, yeah, they won't agree to our terms. They won't agree to what Sony wants. And Microsoft's like, we'll agree to everything. Like, look at all these things we'll agree to. But Sony, does, I think Sony doesn't want it on Game Pass, and that's that's the sticking point. So maybe there's a concession. I don't know if Xbox would would take it, where it was like, hey, for ten years you can't put Call of Duty on Game Pass. I don't I don't know if Microsoft would take it. Maybe they would because I think they want Blizzard and King more. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever sort of concessions they would make. Because I think we're supposed to get the statement of object- objections from the EC. So we'll see. You know, well, yeah. this this thing has been ongoing. It's It's been a year. Like, I'm completely over it. Uh, it's just like, let, get it over and done with. Either approve it or block it and have whatever. I'm done hearing about it. I think that's where a lot of us are at. Again, it's it's interesting because it is such a big deal in the games industry as a whole. But as you said, for people like us in the space who hear the conversations every week, who see all the developments every week, it's just the same thing with a different tune or different wording over and over and over again. We just want the deal to be, you know, over and done with. We all want to be past this so we can, you know, talk about the games again. So, yes, that is an update on the Activision Blizzard King acquisition, the ongoing um Huge shout out. We got over we got over 200 people rocking with us on this glorious episode of Xbox Chatterdays. So again, if you're digging the show, hit that like button, share it out. Shout out to vSimco, who's a new channel member. What up? Dead Planet with the super chat says, my fear is Xbox gives PlayStation a deal just as COD fades. I mean, we always talk about COD fading. Like we the Vanguard came out and we're like, oh shit, are people tired of Call of Duty? And then Modern Warfare 2 comes out and it's just the biggest game ever. Just a massive juggernaut. Like, I don't know. So, Call of Duty fading, hard to say. Ever, nothing is invincible. Nothing is invincible in this day and age, but I think Call of Duty will be okay for a little bit. Rand! You know, uh, when you talk about Call of Duty declining, you know there were reports that uh, Modern Warfare 2 has lost a lot of players. Warzone, oh. rather. Warzone 2 oh. has lost a lot of players. That's interesting so, because a lot of people complain that there was a, you know, a step up graphically in some ways, but the overall content offering of Warzone was much lighter than 
Warzone 2.0 than, than Warzone as, 1. As someone who played like 250 hours of Warzone, I played 10 hours of Warzone 2, and I probably will never play it again. They essentially ruined Warzone. I Like, all the changes they decided... If it, which, you know, I don't know if it is or not. I'm just operating on the assumption that they are. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that they would lose those many players because I think the stuff they did just made Warzone too awful. So I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that, yes, a significant portion dropped out. Because they already, they're already walking back some changes. The 2v2 Gulag is now going back to 1v1. Oh, what? Yeah, so it's, it's just one of those things where you never know. You're like, one misstep, and you, you know, you're on top of the mountain, and then all of a sudden, you're at the bottom of the mountain, right? Vanguard, even though Vanguard was still like one of the best selling games of the year, it was like a significant decrease for Call of Duty. Yes. And everybody like assumes Call of Duty. Drop. Yeah, everybody assumes Call of Duty is just going to remain on top forever, but nothing lasts forever, as we all know. Uh, you know, you make a bad game or bad decisions and things happen, and then another game comes out of nowhere and steals your thunder, and you never regain it. I mean, at one point, Halo was the top, it was the pinnacle. Hey, the Halo and, hype was unmatched. The marketing yes. and energy behind every Halo release, and we're going to talk more about this. So I don't want to go too much into it. Was was huge, and that has faded. Just objectively, it's not what it once was. So, yeah, Call of Duty is not invincible. Um, all right, we're going to transition to a couple more topics. Obviously, we we haven't even touched on the developer direct, Rand. So we're going to be diving into the developer direct, the future of Xbox for the rest of 2023. We got some juicy topics. Appreciate y'all hanging out. One quick super chat before we move on, and this we'll do this one real quick. Rand, have you watched the last... This is from Face23BKNY, who says, Thoughts on The Last of Us TV show. Have you watched it? I don't watch TV shows until they're finished. That's right. I don't, Rand, Rand I don't 100% do the weekly... Binge. I do not do the weekly thing. That, okay. I, I, nobody, would wa nobody watches a movie, watches an hour, and then waits a week to watch the next hour. Nobody reads a book and reads a chapter, and then deliberately waits a week to need to read the next chapter. Nobody plays a video game, plays one level, and, and waits a week for the next level. I don't see why you would do the same with the TV show, because the TV show is like a story like anything else that is very much a continuous thing. So why would I subject myself to waiting when I can just watch it all at once and experience it like it should be experienced? Like, I get why people like to watch it week to week or why maybe it's better for the corporations and maybe even for the show itself of like, hey, you can have word of mouth spread. Like, look at how successful Last of Us is for HBO, right? Yes. Uh, like, the biggest increase for from first week to second week and all these. Like, I get it. Like, word of mouth typically spreads better that way, especially if the show's good, which I sort of knew Last of Us it was going to be from the creator of Chernobyl, which was one of the all-time great TV shows. Oh. It's on HBO, so you know there's going to be a quality standard. I have no doubt that... La and plus, Last of Us in general, like, the game itself, you, you, you knew, I, even playing it then, it was like, this would make for a good TV show, right? Because it is very cinematic, and it tells a really good story, you know? I mean, so it's like, I'm not surprised that it's really good, but it, I'm just not someone that is just going to just watch an episode every Sunday... Like, I will wait till it's over so I can experience it how it should be experienced. Like, every other sort of media and, and thing out there. Like, all in one go. Uh, you know? 
but I, you know, I, you know, I'm fine with the binge binge model. I'm fine either way. Um, I do enjoy my our, my little Sunday ritual with the wife. You know, we have dinner, we hang out, and we look forward to you know the HBO banger dropping on Sunday night. So we've been watching Last of Us. I think it's a fantastic show, well acted. Pedro Pascal, shout out, legend. Um, but yeah, it it translates well to an HBO series. Obviously, the narrative of Last of Us is is renowned in the gaming space. It's a strong strong forward narrative of the story and yeah i think the last of us does a great job adapting that in a way i know we the console wars have bled over into tv now because people are yeah. like this is what the halo show could have been i'm like please i don't need it in my tv okay we keep the console wars related to video games and, and leave it out of the tv but that being said the last of us show is so much better than the halo show and well, i mean but. I'm gonna ask you this, Miles. Um, I've seen a lot of people saying if if Halo would have if the Paramount Plus show Halo show had would have just have adapted the first Halo game, it would have been great. But I would counter argue that the story in Halo One is n- there isn't much there. It's light to actually There's, support Halo is light a, a, a TV show. So the reason we all love Halo One is the gameplay. The story is good. It's good enough to push things along. There are key moments. And you could translate some of those key moments into uh, a show, but from the narrative, from the dialogue perspective, there wouldn't be a lot going on in that first season. If season one of the Halo show was just Halo Combat Evolved, you would have your intro, and then you would just have eight episodes of just explosions and action, which would be cool. Don't get me wrong. I would watch it, but I don't know that that would translate as well. I do think, I do think there's an issue with... People who think they can do it better than the people who originally made something, right? Like you hear about all the stuff going on with The Witcher and how like the showrunner and the writers really don't like the books or the games. So they'll do their own sort of things and how that really pisses off fans, right? Or, you know, the Halo thing, like the really sort of pissed off a lot of fans because they didn't really stick to what the game was. They made up their own stuff, right? I mean, Master Cheeks. Master Cheeks ain't in the game, right? Uh, you, even I'll mention, like, Wheel of Time on Amazon uh, is, like, there. it follows the books to a certain extent, but, like, nothing really from the show was in the books where it was, like, the, it sort of feels like the showrunner wanted to make, th- thought he could do it better than what Robert Jordan, who wrote the novels, did. But the thing is, like, you can't, and the show suffers for it. So, like, you're watching the show, and you're, like, waiting to see, like, any scene from the books that you love come to life, and they don't. Now, granted, The Wheel of Time has that built in as a narrative device that, hey, ages come and ages go, things repeat. Yeah. So, this is just another turning of the wheel, right? So, like, Rand, Matt, and Perrin, the main characters of the show, like, they'll continuously be doing this. So, like, what you read in the books is one turn of the wheel and then like the second turn of the wheel something similar happens but it's changed so like you sort of look at the show the the, the wheel of time tv show is basically another turn of the wheel and not like the one you actually read but one of the reasons why fans don't like the wheel of time is because of the changes they made uh and the direction they went in and one of the reasons why people love Last of Us outside of its quality is because they're sticking pretty true to the story uh, because 
you know, and, and the, the, you know, Chernobyl guys, like, I love the story. Let's tell it how it is. You know, they've made some changes, like the whole spores versus tendrils or whatever, right? Like, or, or what are some other stuff? Like, I haven't watched it. I, I know there are some changes, but for the most part, I mean, you're, you're watching it. Does it, doesn't it stick pretty true to? Yeah, there are, the game's there being are some told. Like, notes that are getting mixed up, and I'm not going to spoil it for anyone, but for the most part, there are shot-for-shot shot scenes. Yeah. Like, the, the first episode has a lot of shot-for-shot shot scenes of the opening. Even the part when you're sitting in the car, from a first-person perspective, that is in the game as well. So, or that is in the show as well. So, yeah, there a lot of it is beat-for-beat, beat, but there are some changes that make I mean, it more relevant. There are some more... No, like moments that touch into the, the world and the, how things got set up, which I think is really interesting. But yes, mostly it that, is the same core story. That's the danger of adapting a popular already existing IP is that you have fans that want it a certain way. And if you don't deliver it the way that they haven't imagined or seen it, they get upset. Like just look at Lord of the Rings, right? Oh, Rings yeah. of Power. Now, there was also some of the stuff because there was a lot of racist stuff and, and sexist stuff going on there, but also a lot of people who are just like fans of Token and the Similarian and stuff like that were like, oh, I don't know about these, I don't know about these changes. I, I don't know, right? And like as a fan of Wheel of Time, I want to see scenes that I've imagined in my head from the books on screen. I'm not asking for like every single thing from the books to be on screen because I know an adaptation needs to change stuff, but I would like at least one. Yeah, I would like at least two. I would like at least like the big things to be on screen. Like I'm not asking for everything, but I also would like at least for you to like honor and if it feel like you're actually it feels like that you don't respect the source material and you're just using it as a way to, you know, make money and make a show and make your own stamp on something and it, it sometimes it really comes through it. It's like, "Man, he says he's a fan, but is he really?" I don't know. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, Last of Us. Worth checking out if you haven't. But let's talk about games, Ram, because this week was Microsoft's first ever developer direct. And so going into this year, a lot of Xbox fans were upset, Rand. Remember when mm -hmm. Xbox wasn't at the Game Awards? Yes, remember I remember. The, remember that week on Twitter? And remember that week <laughs> on YouTube? <laughs> When people were absolutely just livid. They were they have never been more furious at Xbox for them to basically have a really weak 2022 and then to go into the game awards at the end of 2022 and show absolutely nothing. Um, people were upset. People were very upset. They had to come out immediately and say, hold on, we have something in the works. It's gonna be okay. And then that led to a lot of speculation. So and a lot of folks, you know, myself included, were like, well, they have to be doing some kind of showcase soon for them to deliberately skip the game awards they better have something in the works very very soon and that's what they made it sound like and then it was confirmed that yes on january 23rd what, what the exact date was whatever the day the 25th maybe yeah january 25th um they said all right developer direct our first one we're going to give you a look at minecraft legends we're going to give you a look at forza we're going to give you a look at redfall and we're going to give you a look at there a fourth one confirmed? Elder Scrolls Online. So they kind of laid their cards on the table and said, all right, this is what you're going to expect. You and I, you know, not to air our DMs, but we, we talked about this. And I remember you being on, on the side of like, you know, I'm worried that this is going to be boring. I'm worried that this is going to be too much like inside Xbox. And I'm worried that Microsoft is going to lean too heavily into 
you know, hosts and personalities yeah. over yep. gameplay. And so I think that was a concern for a lot of people when they saw that this was, you know, 40 minutes and four games theoretically were going to be shown. I think a lot of people were really curious to see what Xbox delivered. So the developer direct came and went, it happened. And so what I want to talk about, Rand, is before we dive into the specifics of what was shown and what was, you know, talked about, how did you feel about Xbox's first developer direct in terms of what they delivered on the content level and the overall format of the show? I feel pretty, pretty, pretty positive about it, Miles. I, I feel pretty positive about it. Like, I was uh, dreading like a return of Inside Xbox to a certain degree, right? Um, I was also concerned that I was going to be bored because I just wasn't really interested in Minecraft Legends or ESO. Like every time they show ESO during E3s, I fall asleep, right? They're like the worst segments. So I was just kind of like sitting there and be like, oh man, they, I'm only really interested in Redfall. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of Forza Motorsport, but I'd be interested in seeing what they're going to show. You know, it's just like, I don't know, like it's 45 minutes. I'm like, am I going to be bored for half of this? Like, does Mike, you know, so I, I had question marks, I had question marks. And I'm happy to say that uh, the presentation, A plus. Our A right? plus, the, yeah. A plus. Like, they All need right. to stick with this. You know, there's some things maybe they could refine and do a little bit better first run through. Uh, but at, as like a whole, like, I dig this, right? It's, it's Microsoft's own unique spin on the Direct, right? It's You have the Nintendo Direct and how it is. Uh, you have the state of plays. And then you have this. Like, I'm, like the people on screen were just on screen just enough. Right, there still were some cringy, uh, you know, dialogue, but it sort of worked in a way coming from a developer instead of an influencer, you know, uh, asking these questions. So they're on screen enough, and what I really wanted was like them speaking over the gameplay, which we got a lot of. Um, maybe they could do a little bit more, where like the gameplay's like on screen more with them talking over it, and, and you know, but like I, I was pretty happy with uh, the the ratio of like developers on screen versus the games being shown um and like seriously like i mentioned how i wasn't really interested in a couple of the games the the way they talked about eso and the way they showed off minecraft legends i was engaged and watching which is more than i can say for when pete hines is out there on stage at e3 talking about fallout 76 and eso right which completely loses my attention so I and I think it's because of how they talked about it and how they showed it off. Where it's like, okay, show me Minecraft Legends, and you're watching it. And you're like, oh, this is sort of interesting, and then they give you sort of like some cool little behind the scene tidbits of it, and it goes back to gameplay, and you're like, oh, you know, I, I okay, yeah, I could play this, right? I'm not like excited for it, but yeah, I could see myself playing it at some point. It does come out on April 18th, and April is pretty much devoid of games for whatever reason. I don't know if you've looked at it, Miles. It's like one game coming out in April and it's Dead Island 2 at the end. And now you have a second game coming in April and it's Minecraft Legends. I don't know why everybody literally packed uh, February, March, and uh, like May and June. And then so it's like, oh, we got this month April where like, nothing's going on. But uh, And then even the ESO thing, another game I have no interest in, Like I felt like that uh, five-minute thing was pretty well done. Uh, yeah, so think... like, so like, I'm I'm a fan. Like, I, I hopefully they they do this moving forward for other developer directs. Um, and you know, like, what can I say? They they it seemed like they nailed this one. Seems like they did. Yeah, for a first go and a first try at this format, I walked away really positive. I was 
really excited with the way they managed to blend in the 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 pers the personal moments with the developers because for me and you know maybe this is corny but I get I get excited when I see someone who is excited to talk about a, a project they're excited about. So I think those moments are still really important. I know some people are like, just I don't want to see a human. I don't want to see a human being on the screen. Yeah. Just give me gameplay, and I, that's fine. But in this day and age where we're like increasingly hyper focused on brands and we're cr increasingly hyper focused on you know AI, I think it is cool to have moments where we have a, a human being on the screen talking about what they're working on. And I think Xbox found a really great way to balance that and have it be there, but then quickly transition to gameplay, quickly transition to other team members talking about what they're working on, why they're excited about the project. And it was it was paced so well. So like you touched on every segment, I was engaged, I was interested, and it was even with stuff like Forza, which Forza's cool. I'm not a big Forza guy, but I was still very interested in seeing the the tech and seeing the team talk about Forza. Same with ESO. I totally agree. ESO has done nothing for me. I've tried playing ESO so many times before and fallen off. But after this showcase, I found myself saying, all right, I'm going to reinstall ESO and, and give it another shot because this looks cool. And so there were a lot of really impactful moments. And I think the overall flow and pacing and style was spot on. It was longer than like a Nintendo Direct, longer than the average uh, state of play. And that allowed for some cool moments that you don't typically get at those shows, but it never felt like it was dragging on. And that's something that I think is really, really tough to do with this style of showcases. We've all talked about inside Xbox, you know, having those moments that are quote cringy or go on too long and people want to go to the next thing and you find yourself bored. The, uh, trebuchets moment, if you will, as a more recent example where people are like, what is, why is this here? I don't, I don't want this here right now. And it's fun. Sure. Don't get me wrong. But I think this hyper-focused show that focused on games and the people who make the games for me, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to see. And I think they delivered. So I think, yes, I'm with you. This was a solid show, regardless of how you feel about the overall content. Um, I think that the format of this show is great. So overall, I think, yeah, they should probably just stick with this. Do you think when we look at future shows, developer directs or otherwise, do you think they sh there's still room for other formats or do you want this to exclusively be the way that they show their games outside of obviously there's going to be the big E3 showcase? In well, June. I mean, I don't know how, I mean, I guess, I don't know how many of these a year they're going to do, right? Like, I think it makes sense to do one at the beginning of the year if you've got games coming. And I think another reason why this works is because almost all the games are coming relatively soon. Yes. Like Minecraft Legends is April. Hi-Fi Rush was today. Um, you know, Red Falls May. E ESO's thing is in June. So like, none of this stuff is basically like, oh, well, see you in two years, right? It's all like, oh, it's all coming within the next five months. Um, so I think that's also a reason why it works. As for like other things they can do, it's like I don't really see how many shows they're going to be putting on a year. Um, and you know, you think about the Starfield solo show would they make a starfield solo so in this vein i'm not so sure they would um yeah i think that would be more focused you would have your your moment yeah. with todd you get pop uncle todd on stage and he would talk about starfield for a bit and then he would go into the gameplay deep dive i think that's kind of what yeah, we're all that, expecting for starfield. that's what i so i i wouldn't 
I wouldn't. I don't know. I don't know what to expect from Starfield solo, solo show and how it would be filmed. And then you have the summer showcase, which is going to be your typical live show, right? So it's not going to look like this. So I don't know how many developer directs they're going to do. Maybe it makes sense to do two a year, one in the beginning, one towards the end. Um, I don't know if they're ever going to bring back XO as a live thing because how many shows can you realistically put on with uh, more information? Because, like, you know, this takes time out of developers' schedule to make uh, appearances, uh, get stuff that's actually ready to showcase because not everything's always ready to show. So it's like, do you do an E3? Do you do two developer directs? Do you do a big individual showcase for your games and then also an XO? That's like five things or at least four things. I don't know if there's that much. So, so maybe, yeah. Let me hit you, you and the and the folks watching or listening with a, with a question here. So the way that they framed this developer direct and the way that they went into this show, it was kind of, this is the first half of the year. And then in the interview with IGN with Phil Spencer, we'll be talking more about that in a minute. Um, he says, you'll hear from us again in June. So do you think if they just had these big moments, the developer direct at the start of the year to let you know what the first half looks like, and then the big E3, which lets you know like what the back half and maybe even you know going into next year or beyond looks like, do you think that is a, a strong enough way for Xbox to message its years? And do you think if they just had a big developer direct and a big E3 showcase every year that fans would be okay with that? Like just one developer direct and one E3? Yeah. If they're like, this developer direct, this is the first six months, E3, this is the next six months, here you go. I think we're... I think, no, I mean, E3, I don't think should really fall into any sort of time frame. I think they made a mistake with last year's E3. No, I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying that they're going to stick to that. I'm just saying. If they use that as, like, this is the first six months, and then E3 was like... This is also what's coming in the next six months, but then whatever else. Like, it doesn't have to stick to just the 12 month. I'm just saying, if that's how they messaged the games that were coming for a given year, do you think that's a good enough way to communicate that to, to fans? Maybe. Maybe. I, I honestly don't know. Because I think a lot of it is determined by when games are releasing. Like, you have a bunch of games releasing in the first half of this year, so it made a lot of sense to have a developer direct to show them off because these games would be out before E3, right? But we don't know about Xbox's second half of the year. Do they have anything? I mean, right now you think, okay, Forza Motorsport most likely because I think that's delayed. I mean, they were saying spring yeah, now. It's just now it's just coming 2023. Out to so May, like, I don't think. Forza yeah, so it's like, I don't think Forza's... So it's like, what is Xbox's second half? Does it have... If, if, if it is, you know, Forza and maybe like Starfield... Uh, or you know another game or something else and Hellblade maybe it makes sense to like have another developer direct where you can be like hey here's some stuff from gameplay from Hellblade and then oh here's another look at a little bit of Starfield stuff and oh here's some Forza stuff and here's this and here's that I think it really heavily depends on when games are supposed to come out right because let's just imagine a scenario where Xbox usually finds themselves in where they don't have anything until September because normally yes. Xbox is very much like the first nine months of the year don't exist, right? Which, if that's the case, it makes zero sense to do a developer direct because you don't have any games to showcase. You don't have any games to. You don't have any developers to direct. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's nothing there. So why would you do it? So I think it really depends on what's coming out 
and how much of it is coming out in uh, that given time frame. You know, if you get to you know the second half of this year, so you do E3, you have your typical E3 show. Maybe you announce stuff two years out. Maybe you announce stuff a year out, three years out, whatever. And then, but the end of the year, you have like new Call of Duty. And let's let's assume you own ABK. You have a new Call of Duty or whatever the expansion is. You have a Hellblade 2, you have a Project Belfry, you have a Forza, you have a Starfield. Boom, you could do a developer direct. You could be like, here's this, here's this, here's this, here's this. Boom, boom, boom. These games are coming. You're ready to roll. You can give them more time here than you could at E3 where it's just like trailer, 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 trailer. But then you get to like early 2024 and, you know, is there stuff in early 2024? If not, then you don't don't do one because you don't have the content for it. I, I, I think it really depends. Um on on what's available yeah the, the when, timing when they expect stuff to come out is going to be harder because again we're going to talk more about phil spencer's interview but they've they've publicly talked about how they've missed the mark in terms of consistency and you know they obviously are in this weird situation where they don't want to ship games until they're ready because they've taken flack for that in the past and so they have to wait until games are ready and sometimes that means there's these weird gaps and it, it's hard for them to really Without saying, all right, this game has to come out regardless of the state, it's hard for them to be hyper-consistent all the time with their current slate and the the current timeline for some of these projects. Things are going to kind of start to snowball a little bit, and they're going to be able to have more flexibility to be more consistent. But um, that timing, it's going to be hard. And we all want things to be that tight and that streamlined. And we know, bam, these games are coming this, this next six months, and bam, these games are coming in the six months after. And we're going to, you know, have a conversation here in a little bit about, you know, Xbox is not going to be able to deliver on a 12-month promise for all of these games. Um, That's just a reality. There's going to be games that don't hit that 12-month promise, and then people are going to, you know, use that and and be mad about that. And, you know, it it is what it is. That's the situation that they put themselves in. Um, But that timing is really, really tough to predict. So... Let's quickly break down what was at the Developer Direct. We got Minecraft Legends, which is coming April 18th. So I want to just just a quick kind of hype check, excitement check as we go down the list here. Minecraft Legends, April 18th. Rand, you playing it? You excited about it? What game? Are you on My- Minecraft Legends? Minecraft Legends. Uh, I'll probably check it out. I, 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 I like Age of Empires 2. Uh comes out what next in on the, in a couple days from now. I have no interest in playing that. I'm not playing it. But Minecraft Legends is, yeah, I'll give it a go. It, like I said, I think maybe one of the better, you know, uh, reasons for playing it for me is because, well, there's no other games coming out in April. So yes, there, there will be no this, competition. Yeah, so it's like, all right, yeah, yeah, I can play it, and I, the co-op aspect is intriguing to me. To, to be honest, I'm not someone who I'm not a very creative person, Miles. So like when. One of the reasons I liked Halo Wars was because it's like, you can build the stuff here, but you can only build on these pads. And I'm like, oh, cool. Because like in my mind, it was like, you can build stuff everywhere or anywhere you want. My mind's like, oh, too many possibilities. What am I going to do? Where should I build these things? How should I build these things? You know? So like to have a game where it's like, you could build stuff, but like, I don't necessarily want to build stuff, but I, I could play co-op and have someone you know, where he's the builder and I'm doing the attacking and stuff. That's somewhat interesting to me. 
right? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Warcraft 3 in a lot of ways, which is really interesting because that was kind of, for me, like, that was my heyday of RTS. I used to play a lot more RTS games, Age of Empires, uh, Warcraft, but I've, you know, I've, I've fallen off quite a bit in the RTS camp. But when I saw Minecraft Legends and how it balanced that base building with the kind of more action-focused combat and you actually get to, you know, be a controllable character and then you throw in stuff like co-op and PvP, yeah, I'm a lot more interested after that showing than I was. Because when I first saw Minecraft Legends, I remember thinking, that's neat, but probably not for me. And now, you know, with, with the beauty of Game Pass, we can play it either way, so I was going to check it out regardless. But now I'm actually finding myself a lot more excited about the project and, you know, got some friends interested in playing it as well. So, yeah, Minecraft Legends, I think that was a strong showing overall. Forza Motorsport! How did you like that car porn, Rand? Would that get you I had a hot Randy? take. Uh-oh. I had, a, I had a hot take on Xbox 2. Uh -oh. Just didn't agree with me. Um, you know, I like... I I, I'll say I like uh, seeing the Forza Motorsport stuff. I'll play Forza Motorsport. I'm more of a Horizon dude. I'm arcade racer guy, right? But what? the way the show was structured with everything coming soon and having a date sort of felt like Forza Motorsport shouldn't have been there. It I, I was, it's, it's sort of like, here's a date for Minecraft, here's Sci-Fi Rush coming, here's ESO, here's Redfall, and then here's this redhead stepchild of the group that doesn't have a date, right? And I understand, like, you needed to have it, because if it wasn't there, people would be like, what about Forza? And you, you wouldn't have had enough, because Hi-Fi Rush, we'll talk about in a minute, is Shadow Drop, so it's like... You'd only would be advertising ASO, Redfall, and Minecraft, and that's not enough. So I understand why it's there. But I think for what they were angling for, it actually shouldn't have been there because it's not coming, quote, soon. It's not launching in the next few months, as they said. Uh, unless, of course, it is coming. I mean, you know, either way. I understand why it's there. I just was like, eh, it kind of just ruins the whole, like, games with dates thing. Because it doesn't have one. Um, I, I wish they talked more about like the single player career. Because as some as someone who's not really into like I need to dominate the track and post my best times and blah 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 blah. Like I'm interested in a career though, so I was like I would like to learn more about that, and that was just like a, a token thing at the end where they really kind of heavily leaned on, hey, this is the best looking game, the most impressive racing game ever made. The audio, we got all these cars, we got, you know, the typical sort of Forza marketing that we're always used to is exactly the sort of stuff that they were talking yeah, about. Like, this. hey, look how good these cars look. Look and at the look mud. Good. Look they at look the, real good. Look at the reflections <laughs> of the paint. Look, yeah. So a lot of it was very much like, yeah, physics. They talk about the physics being more than like for the last three Forza games combined or something like that. So they, they're really trying to amp up the tech side of things. And I think that's why it was important to show, even without a date, is they're trying to, you know, reassure fans that there's a reason this is taking so long. Because I think a lot of people expected a Forza around the launch of the Series X. Like, yeah, Series X is coming out. A Forza is sh shortly will follow because that's just what they've done. Um, so it's taken them a little while, but they've kind of reiterated time and time again, like, hey, we are, this is a brand new engine. We're improving the tech in a lot of ways. So I think that's what this entire showcase was. Early in the year, I talked about Forza Motorsport probably not coming out in the first half. And people were like, no, they just, they just mentioned on Major Nelson's podcast that it's coming in spring. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, that would be cool. Like, it's not, I'm not saying I want the game delayed, but 
we haven't really heard that much. And outside of the developer direct going into that, I wasn't sure if they were going to hit us with that date. And given the timing of stuff like Wolong, Ghostwire Tokyo, Minecraft Legends, I, I thought Aura would come sooner. Clearly that's not coming sooner. So I thought their first half was maybe too busy. And I was like, well, they might just push Forza out of this window. And as you said, I think having the coming 2023 was weird overall hey, with the show. But... You know, Microsoft sending out secret messages though. Because dude, you see the the coming the it's the, a six. It's it's a six, bro. So they're yeah. actually telling you it's coming June twentieth, twenty twenty three. Dude, big brain. Uh, I mean, big brain. Think of the marketing potential when you have a showcase full of release dates, and then you have one game that you don't give the release date for, but you you put the release date in a code. Think of yeah. the marketing. I saw people saying like, "I'm sorry, what?" If they had the release date, they would give you the release date. Yeah. It's that and it's like, why don't you go look at the font they're using for other things where it's the G is literally just looks like... Granted, I'll give them that. It does look like a 6. It does, yes. It 100% looks like yes. a 6. But when you look at other things like GMT or Kicking Off, it, it is a G. <laughs> so I, I know cause, because, Miles, people just want... They want the games, and I understand that. They want Forza, they want Starfield, but people are connecting, connecting these conspiracy theories in their head, like, oh, this means it's coming June 20th or whatever, and then you have, like, the, as I call them, the, the, the March cultists for Starfield, right? <laughs> We're going to talk all about that. Don't oh, you, you know, worry. Right, right. So, yeah. So, um, um, continue. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're all good. So, what month do you think Forza's potentially coming. We've seen, we've had folks like Jeff well, Grubb talk about Q3. The Grub Grub. Yeah. The Grubster is saying Q3. Which makes sense to me. I mean, that. let's throw it out in a September. Yes, or early September, you know. There's not going to be anything really around that's going to compete with that. It'll have its window to, to flourish and, and shine bright. Um, but are people going to, the real question is, are people going to allow that? Is that going to be this huge point of contention for some people that it, slipped past the 12 month window i mean right? some people are going to be upset right yeah. xbox did it to themselves i don't know how many times i gotta say it that's one of the reasons why you shouldn't have done the 12 month thing because it's looking like out of the five first party games you showed starfield redfall minecraft legends forza and aura history untold right like seems like you're only gonna release two of them in the time frame you said that you were gonna release them in so two out of five, that's that's failing grade for a lot of people. Two out of five, you, that's a D yeah. minus, teetering so on an F. If Aura's coming at the oh, end of the year, if Forza's coming at the end of the year, and who knows about Starfield, you know, m you know, maybe it still hits by June, maybe it doesn't. Uh, but I think here's here's what I think, Miles. Okay, so I think when the way the show was presented, I was expecting a lot more people to be really angry about Forza Motorsport being delayed, but. And I mentioned this in Xbox 2, and people were like, oh, random theories or whatever. I think whoever put together the show did a brilliant move by immediately transitioning to Hi-Fi Rush. Yeah, baby. Because normally in this, like, for this sort of thing, you would think the, the we have one more thing to show you would be at the end. Like, they do Redfall and then be like, hold on one second. We got a surprise. And boom, it's Hi-Fi Rush. And then... And then you end the developer direct with you can play it right now. So everybody tunes off and they're they're racing to their consoles to download it, right? That would be like normally how I think something like that would be presented. 
Yes, absolutely. But if you would imagine where the most disappointment of the show would have been for a lot of people, it would be seeing coming 23, 2023 for Forza with no date. Yeah. And like if I would imagine a lot, all of a sudden you could see the anger, you, you could imagine the anger starting to build a little bit about oh, Xbox delaying more games. We've already been through this with Halo and Psychonauts and Redfall and Star. Now it's now it's at Forza. What's going on? Right. Uh, when are we going to get games? Right. <laughs> but they immediately transitioned into Hi-Fi Rush. Which was right, a game, not only a surprise, generally. I, some people what, talk about it. I mean, it, I but. think it was a complete surprise. I don't, as much as people follow, like maybe me or you, and we talk about these things, I don't think most people knew about Hi-Fi Rush even existing. Because no. no. it was just a name that people talked about. And it was just sort of a, a description. It was like a rhythm-based brawler with our style of Jet Set. Like, sure, you can maybe picture it in your mind, but you don't know. Right. No. Like, what is this? Right. And they did that really clever thing at the start of the show where they're like, we're going to talk about four games. And then they cross, cross out the and then, four yeah. and put a five. And you're like, yep. oh, what's this fifth game? Yeah. So they show it. Right. And suddenly, like, you're not thinking about Forza anymore. And you're not thinking about delay. It's because so what bright. you see it just absorbs you instantly. So new, so fresh, so good that you're like, oh, okay. This is exciting. This is something. It's from Tango, but aren't they the makers of Evil Within? What is this? What? This is unlike anything they've and, done. And you're like, before. oh, well, this is probably a small passion project, like Pentiment or Grounded. Like, I'm not going to get excited for it. But then they they show you the gameplay right away, and you're like, what? Hold on one second here. Is this like a love child of Sunset Overdrive and Devil May Cry and and like Elite Beat Agents or something? Wow, this looks so cool. Like, oh, this this looks really good. It's it's a hack and slash. And right, and then and then they start explaining it, and you're watching more of it, and it's like, wow, I'm really interested in this. And then what to top it all off, it only works because they say, by the way, play it today. And oh! Everyone's like, what? Oh my oh! god, I'm losing my mind. What's going to what? You, oh. you completely have forgotten about Forza at that point, right? Whereas like, oh, oh I yeah. got something to play today. Uh, wh- what do you mean? I thought Xbox had no games. And then you think about like. Xbox has been sitting on this game for a while. Yes. All the people, yes. com- everybody complained about skipping out of the game rewards, and they were sitting on this gem. They're sitting on this game right now that has a Metacritic, a 9.3 user score, and has four reviews because it's shadow dropped at an 88 right now. So it's like an 88 meta. meta. And I, I think maybe it'll stay at that. Maybe it goes a little bit higher. I think it's at 99% positive reviews on Steam as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so it's like, it is it is something Xbox sorely needed. It is like this is this is the thing like it, they needed this so badly for for it to kind of change like all right, you're not waiting to Redfall for a big game. The big game's out now, right? And I, and even when I'm playing it, like I am I'm on level I'm on I'm on track 8 right now. So I've beaten 3 of the bosses. And like like I told you last night, I played Dead Space for a chapter but I was like, I, I I was already playing like Hi-Fi Rush. I typically only really play one game at a time until I'm yeah. finished. You know, that's how I've always done it. That's such, that's just me, right? That's just Rand. I know Jez is totally different. Jez is chaotic. Playing right? 50 he games plays at once. Every, yeah, but then, but, then Jez, but then Jez doesn't beat anything, right? So when he's like, I don't, so I, I said to him last night, he's like, well, I don't know if I beat this. I'm like, Jez, you don't beat anything. So what does it matter? <laughs> like you saying you're not going to beat it doesn't mean anything because you don't beat anything. Um, 
So I'm like, all right. So like I played, I played the first chapter of Dead Space, and I'm like, oh, I love this. I, but I'm like, I need, I need to finish Hi-Fi Rush because I was on track five, and I literally did five, six, and seven at like starting at like one thirty at night or uh, two o'clock in the morning, and by the time I was finished, it was like four thirty, and I'm like, I need to go to like I didn't expect my me to play three levels in a row. I'm like, I gotta go to bed because I gotta get up for 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 Miles Dumper the next day, <laughs> you, the, son you know, of in a few, in a few you hours. Son of a... So it's like, yeah. So you play it and it's like thirty bucks, but honestly, as I'm playing through this game, like, it just doesn't feel like a thirty dollar game, Miles. This no. easily could have been a sixty dollar game, easily. I like you. You play this and it's like incredibly polished, right? Like. I, it, Everything about this game screens production, like the animations of the characters in the world and how everything moves to the beat and how colorful things look, right? To the 2D animation and how the animation is for that with the voice acting uh, of each of the characters. And then more, more importantly, the gameplay of like the rhythm stuff, which I know people are concerned about the rhythm based aspect of it. But as someone who is maybe a little bit more rhythmically challenged. I'm not always on the beat. Granted, I've gotten better as the game has progressed. I used to just be D's, and now I'm sort of getting to the C's and B's. All right, okay. The game doesn't penalize you for being off beat. Like, all your attacks will land on... Like, all your attacks will land on beat, no matter if you're on beat or not. The only actual advantage you get from being on beat is that you get like a you, you you do a little bit more damage and you get a higher score. Otherwise like you can completely play it. You can button like, mash. You yeah, can totally you can button mash. mash if you want or whatever, but it's just I'm just constantly just got a smile on my face as I'm playing it. Right? Yeah, the story's a little bit goofy and the character like Chai's just kind of dumbass, but he's kind of a lovable dumbass in a way. He reminds you of it, Peter Parker. That's yeah, the, that's and, immediately what I thought of when I saw when I and heard like him. And like every talk. level, int- every level introduces a new mechanic. Like sure, the first level maybe a little bit slower because you have all the tutorials and explaining it, explaining it to you. But then you get to that first boss fight, and you're like, wow, this this boss is really cool. And then the Nine Inch Nails music starts playing. Mm-hmm. You hear Trent Reznor's voice, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. And like second level introduces the grappling mechanic. So you know, like if you thought getting around and uh, trying to attack enemies took a little bit too long because you had to run to them. Now you can just immediately grapple to them with left bumper. Yeah. You can pull people up or you can gr- grapple up to them and stuff. And you're like, okay, that makes it a little bit better. You can triple dash with RB and then attack and then triple dash. Or you can keep on moving through the exploration of the levels. Uh, third level introduces like character assists. You can call in one of the characters with the right trigger and help out with attacks, break shields, uh, that sort of stuff. And then I think the fourth level introduces the parry mechanic, which is probably the the one mechanic I am having the most difficulty with because they do want you to sort of at least be competent with the parry system. There are some parts where it's like you won't get through unless you do parry it. Yeah. Um, and and I, I find parrying in this game to be a little bit more difficult than I would find parrying in, like, say, Sekiro or other games. Um, I, I, I typically... It's like, I, I, I don't know, I'm not... I, I, maybe it's because I'm not on beat and the game's on beat that much where I need to pair, but I'm just not pairing as all. Maybe it's because it's a lot of stuff you're going, like you're attacking with XXYY, or you know, you're, you're calling people with the right trigger, switching your characters with left trigger, grappling with left bumper, dashing with right bumper, but there's also parry on B. So there's 
there's a lot of things going on where it's like sometimes I'm pressing the wrong button, but I am just loving this game, Miles. I I'm on I I can't wait to get back into it. Like I'm 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 gonna finish it before I get back to Dead Space. Uh, every level, you know, it continuously gets better. The boss fights are great. The music's fantastic. Xbox has, you know, like a, I don't know if you were saying new mascot, but yo, Chai eight oh eight, like they're here. And like this is something where it's like the shadow dropped, avoided the pitfalls that you would normally experience in your typical uh, traditional marketing. Because if we could just contrast and compare two games that came out the same week, one AAA, one I would call this game double A plus, right? It is. I think it's. I think it's. I, I think it's. It's. It's not a thirty dollar game to me. It, it feels more like a sixty dollar game. The more I'm playing it. But you look at like Forspoken, that is revealed in 2020 as part of the Sony showcase. It has had mm-hmm. multiple trailers over the years. People have hyped it to the moon because exclusives. Miles, Asia, yeah. right. Exclusives are always hyped to the moon for every console. They're always like, this is going to be the most important thing. Suck at Xbox or suck, suck at ponies or suck <laughs> at Nintendo drones or whatever. Like we got this and you don't. So like Sony's been uh-huh. marketing this game. Square has been marketing this game. But each of the trailers constantly get nitpicked, and then the gamer discourse, which I know you love so much, always enters in. Uh, so then it oh, finally the comes out. Discourse. It, it finally comes out, and you know, for most people, it's disappointing, and it doesn't nail all that marketing. Basically, did nothing for the game at the end of the at the end of the day, right? Uh, judging from the, its placement on the Steam charts, where it's like thirtieth, thirty fifth. Who knows what yeah. it's doing on PlayStation, uh, but it's not doing well critically. Uh, but then you have this game that just pops out of nowhere and avoids all that, avoids the whole, okay, what is like that trailer that was cool, but what really is it? Cause we don't know. And nor, cause normally you have to wait and then you hear interviews about it. You don't really get to see gameplay from the first one. You'd be like, uh, what type of game is it? How? How big is this really? Is this another stupid passion project from Xbox? Right. And then you'd have to wait for more information and more trailers. And, you know, with Xbox, it'd be people would be putting their hopes on this game, being like, you know, uh, then people be attacking the game, like, oh, cartoony graphics and all the stupid stuff that people say. It avoids all that completely because it just immediately is like, by the way, they could show it, they could announce it, they could explain it. All in one go, so you understand it completely. And then the most importantly, he's like, go play it. And then the way that works because also Game Pass, because now millions of people can immediately play it for themselves. They're not worried about, like, do I have the money to be able to play this when eggs cost $10 a dozen? And I'm I'm paying out the out the ass and inflation for all these sort of things. Like my bills are super high. Where am I going to get the extra money from? It's like, no, you got Game Pass, you're good. You can play it on Xbox, you can play it on Game Pass on PC, you can play it on Steam. And everybody's talking about it. Suddenly it goes viral because millions are enjoying it. And most importantly, it's a damn fine, great, amazing game. And that's the takeaway, is that it avoided all that stuff. And the virality of Game Pass, because millions could play it immediately, takes it to the next level. 
I don't know. Do you do you agree with any of that, Miles? Do you think you think I'm yes. on point? I first I want to take a moment just to shout out the fact that they were able to pull off a shadow drop because yeah, that, in this day in this and age, age with Jess Cordons and the Jeff Grubbs. It's it's basically and the Tom Hendersons. Im- it's basically impossible. All right. We some of us knew Hi Fi Rush was coming, but I think even those who knew it coming was not expecting it to shadow drop. No. I think, I think even if you knew about its existence, you weren't expecting it to be at the developer direct and just say, bam, it's out now. And for no gameplay, no screenshots to leak, like that—that that is the Microsoft Store didn't leak it. And Microsoft, nothing. no, no retailer leaked it. There was no leak. It was just that moment where, like you said, you're coming off Forza, you have this high energy game, and you're excited, you're interested, you're like, oh dang, Tango is branching outside of Evil Within. They're branching outside of horror to do something different. This looks fun. This looks flashy. The gameplay looks great. There's so much energy and excitement, and then to have boom, you can play it right now. To have the shadow drop, and like you said, to combine that with Xbox Game Pass, which is this vessel that allows these smaller projects to. grow an audience because if this was a $60 game like you said you said I would pay $60 for this this seems like a $60 game to me if they just shadow dropped a $60 game I don't know that it would have that same virality that same moment that it's having because you are seeing people on social media who never talk about Xbox never never like that's not their beat that's not their focus you are seeing people say that Hi-Fi Rush is a game of the year contender for them I see people say that this is one of the best action fighting games ever like on the same level as stuff like devil may cry five which is just universally beloved so there's a lot of or people like bayonetta and stuff like that right? exactly so there's so much energy so much goodwill so much positivity and like you said the, the narratives that can be established i remember when grounded was shown and people were like uh-huh. this looks cartoony this looks dumb i don't want this and then uh, that ends up being one of xbox's biggest hits one of xbox's best reviewed games like but there was this entire period where people were just downplaying it because of the graphics and blah, blah, blah. But like you said, with Hi-Fi Rush, you were, you, you were so excited after that reveal, and then you could just go play it. There were, you, there were no preconceived notions about what it is or what it could be. That You just got the trailer, and you got to play it. And that moment is... That was one of the coolest moments in a long time. Because for a publisher on the level, on the scale of Microsoft, to be able to do that is so much work. So you touched on this point, and I want to circle back to it, about, you know... They were sitting on this game, despite all of the just mm, negativity just dumping on Xbox. Let's be real. like A lot of passionate Xbox fans have been just dumping on Xbox the last six months because they've been frustrated with the lack of games. And so for them to stay the course, stick true to this, hide this game for that moment, I mean, you got to commend it. It it is cool, and there there is nothing more exciting than that. And you bring up an interesting point with Forspoken. Forspoken had years of marketing. It had this big cycle. And then the moment Hi-Fi Rush came out, I didn't see anyone talking about Forspoken yeah. online. Nope. It just, nope. again, like faded into obscurity, which considering how the conversations were going with Forspoken, that's what I wanted to see. <laughs> it was still wild that this game came out of nowhere. And what most importantly, this sets a precedent for new teams that join Xbox Game Studios. You have Pentiment come out, this passion project, critically acclaimed. People love it. One of the one of the best reviewed Xbox games, again, of all time. Grounded, Pentiment, Hi-Fi Rush. These small-scale projects that maybe wouldn't exist without the, a vessel of Xbox Game Pass. Well, or the- but to be fair, in this case, they did say that this was in development before they were acquired. By, like, he pitched it in 2017. Granted, he didn't yeah, probably start right. development until whatever. But I'm sure it was being worked on before they were acquired. But 
Yes. Yeah. The, yes. the point games still stands, take, though. Yeah, games take a long time. It's not do some, they really? The games take a they, while to make they miles? Do. Is this true? It's, this is a scientific fact. I know some people think you can make a game in two years, but no, you, you can't. So yes, this was definitely in the works beforehand. Um, and it definitely landed better than Bleeding Edge, which I, <laughs> yeah. I think Bleeding Edge had had the same approach. Maybe it would have you know landed a little bit better because I think that reveal trailer had a similar energy and the same bright, colorful thing. You're like, oh, this is from Ninja Theory. This is another thing that's very different. From yeah, what Ninja but you know what done. though, Pe- people checked but, out as soon as it was just it was just multiplayer only. People exactly, checked out on yeah. that. The this is like MOBA. a eleven to thirteen hour single player experience that you can replay on harder difficulties with more things. How are you? Cause I I'm, I'm on, I'm on track eight. I've beaten three bosses. I'm really enjoying the game. Uh, can't wait to play more. Like it's exceeded all my expectations. I'm loving it. How, how are you finding it? How, have you yeah, played I'm not as deep as you. You're way deeper than me. I've only beat the first boss. So, okay. So you did the tutorial level. Essentially. I've, I've done the tutorial level essentially. So I'm still uncovering a lot of the mechanics. I'm looking forward to playing more of it. I've really enjoyed what I've played. And again, I'm a big, like Metal Hellsinger, one of my favorite games of last year. I'm a big rhythm game fan in general. Um, but Metal Hellsinger, that game's demanding. That game is yeah. hard. I played Metal Hellsinger. I enjoyed it for the most part, but I find staying on the beat sometimes difficult. Yeah. That game really punished you for not being on beat. Well, uh, that's a game I literally had I had to physically headbang to be able to play, which which was fun. It fits the, the vibe of the game. And this game, similar. You, you kind of like tap your toes to the beat, head head, not, head bob a little bit, but it's a lot more forgiving. And I think that's going to make it more approachable for a lot of people. Because like you said, your attacks always land on the beat, whether or not you press the button on the beat. There are things that you get boosts and bonuses if you're on beat, but you can still play the game and enjoy the game without being like a, a guitar hero legend. So yeah. I do appreciate that. Love the art style. Love it's this beautiful blend of comic book and Saturday morning cartoons. And they they seamlessly blend cutscenes into gameplay in a way that doesn't have an obvious cut. Like you look at some of the the visual stylings and you look at some of the the visuals, and you're like, oh, this is pre-rendered. This is just a pre-rendered bit. And then it just just seamlessly, like, you can't even tell. It just m- fades into gameplay, and you're like, it's one-to-one. That You don't have that un- that weird moment where you realize, okay, this is a cutscene, and this is gameplay, this is in-game. They do that so beautifully, and that's one of my highest compliments, is everything in that game looks and feels so and seamless. And the fact that it came from Tango... A studio known for horror games, Evil Within 1, Evil Within 2, and they do something completely out of left field like this, but it'd probably be reviewed higher than any of those games and maybe even played more than any of those games. I would right? I would guarantee that that would... We talk, about, we talk about people not appreciating Arcane enough, right? And hopefully Game Pass lets them appreciate the type of games they make, but it's also like Tango. Another un... That another one that's not talked enough about from the acquisition of Bethesda. Everybody talks about Bethesda Game Studios and Starfield and Elder Scrolls and Fallout, right? Everybody talks about id. People talk about machine games because you know they they have a game announced with Indiana Jones, but like the ones that sort of went on the radar for most people were like Arcane and Tango. Yeah. Um. And now it's like I, you know people are discovering this game. And it, like, what about the shadow drop thing, Miles? Because this is. I, this has sort of been a part of the conversation. Do you think Xbox does more of those in the future? Considering, okay, we assume it's successful, right? 
they're looking at all the data now. Like they can immediately see, boom, we announced it. How many people are downloading it as part of the description? How many people are subscribing because of it? Like all the sort of necessary data that you would want from the sort of subscription service thing. It's like, is this something, a viable thing that we could do? Granted, you got to decide it. This can't leak. The game's got to be great, which is this. But then I sort of think of like other games, you know, like that maybe it's like, okay, for other AAA plus or AA plus tile games, like immediately the thing that came to my mind was the rumored coalition new IP that's supposed to be smaller in scale, right? That has been talked about. I don't know if it exists. You know, Grubbs talked about it. Jez has talked about it. But there was a part of me that was like, what if they did this for that? What if at another developer direct down the road, they're just like, hey, you know, here's Hellblade 2 and everyone's excited and here's Avowed and here's some info on that. And then they're like, boom, you know what? Let the coalition talk. And the coalition reveals their game for the first time. Here's the trailer. Here's them talking about the gameplay. And then, oh, by the way, you can play it now. Like, I think that could work in some instances. It clearly, it's not going to work in every instance. Like, I know people are, are arguing for Starfield to get a shadow drop. And I'm like, oh, well, Hi-Fi Rush proves that you don't need the big marketing style like, like, like Starfield should get, um, which I typically disagree with, although Todd does like the short announcements to, you know, release. He likes but I, short I think, announcements. He's never yeah. shadow dropped anything. Yeah, but I feel like this could work for, for other games that Xbox might have. And, you know, it could be something that obviously it would only work when games are ready and stuff like that. But what do you think about that? So first and foremost, I am a big advocate for shadow drops. There is nothing yeah. more hype. I'm sorry. Even smaller scale. Nothing things, more hype. Nothing. Nothing, more nothing hype. is more hype than a shadow drop. I'm sorry. Like it instantly elevates the energy and excitement of anything. If you're watching it, nothing, no, there's no greater feeling in the world than watching a dope ass trailer for something that has you incredibly excited and getting that it's ready right now. Like that, I'm sorry. That is the most hype that it gets in this space, in this industry. That being said, it is so hard to do. Those, those decisions are made well over a year in advance when it comes to, all right, we're going to shadow drop this. There's a lot, a lot of prep that goes into that. They have to completely change communications internally. So you have to change how you're sharing assets. You have to change all of these policies internally to make sure that stuff doesn't leak and to make sure stuff doesn't come out. So it's a lot of work. So I don't imagine a big game in, in the vein of a Starfield is going to shadow drop. I'm not saying it's impossible, but dude, I'm, I'm here for it. Any other smaller scale projects from Xbox, a new coalition joint, anything like that. Yeah, shadow drop it. That being said, I, I'm not expecting it. And I think the success of this one probably puts a lot of pressure on Xbox. And then a lot of community members, as we've seen, are already saying, well, this is, a, this is successful. Now they have to do it constantly. And so now Xbox is going to have to like see if they can make magic happen twice. Because realistically, the last two high-profile shadow drops that we've had in the games industry as a whole have been years apart. Apex what Legends. What was I was? Oh, Apex but that was that was really successful though. You got to admit, Apex Legends, Hi-Fi Rush, those mm. are years apart. So it's I'm not expecting Xbox to do it constantly, but every time they do it, ooh baby, I'm gonna I'm gonna be amped. I'm gonna be amped up because you know I like a surprise. All right, talk about this online a lot, but I like the surprise. I like those moments. I like to you know have that that reveal. And then have the release date. I remember when the new Kirby was revealed. And even that, I think it was like a six-month turnaround. But still, to have this game revealed that you had no idea it existed. And then to know you're playing it very soon. Or to know you're playing it right now. Baby, let's go!
Mm-hmm. So, so will they do it? Maybe. Should they do it? Yeah. Yeah, boy. Let's go. Okay, Rand. I'm gonna skip Elder Scrolls Online. We we talked about it briefly. It's it's a thing. Showing was fine. Redfall. That's the game going into this developer direct. I wanted to see. It's been my most anticipated game of this year. I think it's tough. We got Resident Evil 4, which is huge for me. We potentially have Alan Wake 2 this year. And we have Redfall. So there's a lot of stuff for me this year. There's a lot of stuff for me. But I've talked about this before. Redfall for me, I'm way more excited about that than I am for Starfield. So for me, this show was all about Redfield. Redfall. (laughs) Redfield. Uh Redfield. Redfall was the star of the show for me going into this. I wanted to see more. I wanted to see Arcane. I wanted to see how they handled co-op. I wanted to see how they handled this online shared world. I wanted to see how the physics interacted because they've always been great when it comes to enabling you to do weird stuff with physics and weird stuff with weapons and gadgets and environments. And when you have four players in the mix with distinctive powers, I wanted to see how that all played. So we got a ton of Redfall gameplay, probably... 10 minutes, 11 minutes of of new gameplay that showed the world, showed some gameplay, showed some co-op. After this show, though, Rand, there have been a lot of conversations about the the graphical quality of Redfall being underwhelming. So how were you feeling about what we saw from Redfall? I didn't really see most of the most of those comments. I saw like that it would look too slow, that the guns didn't have any impact. Um I, one of the things I did notice was that the flashlight really didn't uh, cast shadows on anything, which was an odd choice. Um, it, yeah, it looked like Left for Dead. Like I'm a, OG Left for Dead. I'm I'm super excited for this game. I'm a big fan of Arcane. Always have been. Always will be. They have not. Ha- they have been, they haven't missed yet for me. Right. All the games they released from Dishonored One to to Prey to Deathloop all have n- nailed for me. So like. I've been on this game from day one because it's like I have faith in Arcane to make something unique, even though this kind of seems to be borrowing a lot of things from a lot of different franchises like Borderlands and and Far Cry with some hint of Left 4 Dead in some of those areas. I think for this type of game, it also doesn't show off well because Arcane's all about like, here's the mission, go do it how you want, right? Figure yes. it out yourself. And to do that properly, you would have to like, Here's how we tackled this thing and then rewind and and show it from a different perspective or, or a different character with different powers, but they didn't really do that. Um so I mean it I, I it made me more excited for the game. You know, I understand that they're split. I think this is just like most arcane games, I think this is one of the things where like you won't know until you play it yourself. Yeah, right? I think it's gonna I be think... kind of like Death Loop where a lot of people we're kind of sick of seeing Deathloop. They saw yep, the trailer. Yep. They're like, the art style is cool. I like the 70s atmosphere, but a lot of people didn't really get Deathloop until they played it. And for me, when I watched this Redfall gameplay, I thought what they showed was what I wanted. Like, this latest showing affirmed everything I wanted Redfall to be because I've always really liked and appreciated Arcane's games. I've understood their talent, but I've never had an Arcane game really connect with me and how and my play style because they've been very stealth driven. And I, you know, that's fine. That just hasn't been my my jam per se. And so when I heard that they were doing a co-op game that was going to focus on horror and focus on, you know, th- what Arcane does best and that's 
incorporating different mechanics. They, they, they showed some bits and pieces of it, like when one teammate freezes the dude or turns another dude into stone, you can break him apart. So there were little glimpses of what we can expect for physics, but I think really what this showing did the best was showcase the world, showcase the setting of, of Redfall, Massachusetts, and really it, that got me incredibly excited. Seeing all of these locations, seeing the style that just, just oozes this weird mix of like 80s horror kind of synth wave with some classic Stephen King kind of quaint mount, mount, quaint seaside towns. I am so hooked on the, the setting of Redfall, and that has me incredibly excited to you know dive in there. And like you said, I do agree. I think this is a game that is tougher to show, but what we did see, um, you know, I you, you talked about my co-op squad earlier. We all watched the showcase, and we're like, let's go, dude. This is going to be one of our most played games, I think, of the year, as long as there's some meat to it. Um, this looks 100% like something that I'm, I'm going to be all about. Yeah, hell yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, I can't wait to play it. Maybe, maybe even Miles and Rand could play it together. Yeah, let's do. Let's go. So Redfall, you know? I joked about it being my most played game. And then after that showcase, I was like, yeah, all right. Redfall is what I want it to be. Um, because again, there, there were the conversations of, you know, is this going to be Borderlands? Is this going to be Left for Dead? And I think this trailer did a really good job to show that it's inspired by those, but it is going to be its own thing in a lot of ways. So yeah, Redfall. May 2nd, we also got the confirmation of yep. that release date. And there's a $100 version that comes with uh, Hero Pass, two, two more heroes coming and some cosmetics and stuff like that. Also, I believe as well, if you're on Game Pass, you'll be able to buy the upgrade for 30 bucks. Yes, I love that they so, do that. So you, that, you That's cool. Still... It's very much Forza Horizon 5. I know Jezza's initial reporting said there would be early access. Uh for like the $100 version or whatever, but it doesn't seem like at least they haven't announced it yet. But that was always, even Jez was saying like in the documents, that was always like, if possible. So maybe it wasn't possible or they couldn't get it done in time or something. Yeah, and I think, yeah, if, if that was the case, they would have shown that at the launch. I don't think that's something that's coming later, but that being said, great to get a date for Redfall. Stoked for Redfall. You know, Hi-Fi Rush does the same thing, Miles. Like there's the $30 version, but the $40 version. Uh, and if you're playing it on Game Pass, you can buy the digital deluxe upgrade for the ten bucks. Yeah. Which is, it, yeah. I actually did that. I was enjoying the game. I was like, yeah, no, here's ten dollars. Give me the cosmetics. I changed my guy around a little bit. Got got some extra gears for some upgrades. That would maybe be like one of the other drawbacks I have about uh, Hi-Fi Rush is like ah, the, the the gears and buying the chips and all that stuff. Ah, like I, I'm not sure that is well done enough or. It, I don't know. Like, I find myself not wanting to add more moves to my character because I have enough time remembering all the combos that I have bought. <laughs> and then you got to buy like individual stuff for your assist characters, but then they also want these chips that you can. Inc it, there's a lot there. And I was like, eh, maybe this is a little bit too much. I don't know. It feels very much like Devil May Cry in that sense, where yeah. you can, if you want, you can use those upgrade points and you can really get into the weeds and start busting out some some sick combos. So. Yeah, that, that is definitely like more of the, I guess, RPG system of Hi-Fi Rush. But um, one quick question before we move on to basically the, the rest of Xbox for 2023. What was Rand Althor's best of show I mean, award do you mean to for even... the Developer Direct? It's Hi-Fi Rush, baby. Hi-Fi Rush, baby. Yeah, that... I mean, I mean... It, it took the... Sh I mean, I would give the show a B+, but if like Hi-Fi Rush wasn't there... 
Maybe it'd be lower. I, I think if Forza had a date, it would be an A. Uh, but man, Hi-Fi Rush is doing a lot of the work. I mean, I appreciate the format, right? But you know, ESO and Minecraft Legends aren't really anything I'm I'm interested in. Redfall was like I'm there day one. Forza Motorsport not really an arcade racer. So like, it really came down to high because now it's like oh, all right, this is and I can play it now. Oh yes, please, B plus. You know. Yeah, so Hi-Fi Rush doesn't, like I said, there's nothing more hype than a shadow drop. I'm sorry. So Hi-Fi Rush automatically, most hype moment, but the close runner-up for me is Redfall and just getting getting the meat, seeing seeing Redfall in action. That was that was a huge highlight for me. Um, so yeah, Rand, I'm going to give a quick shout-out to everyone joining us live, hanging out. If you're still here, we still have a little bit to talk about. We're going to be talking about Xbox. We're we doing a four-hour show here, we're doing We're doing a gauntlet today, so appreciate you bearing with me. Hit the like button. Share it out if you're new. If this is your first time tuning in, we are live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific. I see folks. Like, right, we got James Shields in the chat. James oh, is in here? James wow. is in here. Oh, wow. What, what's James Shane? What's, what's, what's he been saying? He just said, Miles and Rand, fantastic combo. True. Yeah. Absolutely. Those are, he's coming in spitting facts. Okay. James is always spitting facts. Rand. So, as we touched on earlier, 2022, in the eyes of a lot of Xbox fans, wasn't Xbox's strongest year. Mm. Um, they didn't deliver a lot of games, and that made people upset and disappointed, and it led people to question Xbox, really. And then we got the the layoffs at Microsoft, and then we had the whole conversation surrounding 343, which we're going to get into that a bit. But there was a lot of question marks, as you joked on or uh, joked about earlier in the show. People were saying, oh, Xbox is dead, dude. Their, their revenue's down. So there was just a lot of negative PR, a lot of question marks, and a lot of things at the start of this year and at the end of coming off last year that had people, you know, concerned. And I think some of that was not unjustified. So, Bill Spencer sat down with Cat Bailey from IGN to discuss kind of the past and the present and the future plans. We also got a bunch of release dates from the developer direct, so we kind of know what the first half of Xbox's 2023 looks like. So I want to talk about the rest of 2023 and kind of what you're expecting and what you're hoping from Xbox as we move into the back half of this year. But I want to touch on a couple of choice quotes to kind of set the tone here, set set the, the vibe of this conversation. So, Microsoft, Phil Spencer was asked about the pressure that Xbox is facing after the light 2022. And so I thought it was interesting that Phil Spencer kind of owned up to this in, in an interesting way. So here's what he had to say when he was basically confronted about 2022's lack of games. So, quote, our commitment to our fans is that we need to have a steady release of great games that people can play on our platform. And we didn't do enough of that in 2022. There's no doubt. And fundamentally, that's on me. I'm the head of the business. He also he also touched on the the wait for X memes that we always joke about on these shows, like wait till next E3. And I thought that was just that was interesting. So he was asked whether or not 2023 is going to be the year or the moment whether or not this is going to be the moment for Xbox, because it kind of feels like their position to be that. And so he said, quote, I hesitate to get ahead of the launches just because I know there's some some and rightfully some fatigue in the community about us saying, quote, hey, just wait until this or wait until that. So that was one of the reasons it was nice to be able to launch Hi-Fi Rush during the show to show that we can launch. 
So Rand, what I want to talk about with you and the chat here is what Xbox's 2023 could look like. We, I'm, I'm tired of talking about 2022. We, it's been talked about to death. We know they didn't deliver. Phil Spencer knows they didn't deliver. Um, but there's some, there's some hope and some optimism for 2023. Let's start with the big elephant in the room here. The one that we have people saying Marchfield, Rand, and that's Starfield. So... As you touched on, Xbox said that a lot of games that they showed last year's Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase were coming in the next 12 months. Some of those being Forza and another one of those being Starfield. We know Redfall's coming, um, but we don't know when Starfield is coming. We do know that Starfield will get its own dedicated show, which is, I imagine, the next time we see Starfield, we'll get that release date. So, Rand, is Starfield shadow dropping in March on March 23rd at a rumored <laughs> Starfield showcase. Um, I mean... Is, are they doing it? Are they going to make lightning strike twice and well, shadow didn't, drop? Didn't, didn't, didn't you hear like the release date leaked yesterday? CD keys oh, saying CD March keys, 20, yeah. 23, 23? Yeah, it's, Microsoft only told them and nobody else, by the way. On the Bethesda launcher that exists. Yeah, on right? the Bethesda launcher that, that exists still, yes. Um, I did see that, yes. And I've seen people saying that yeah. date for a long time. That's not a new development. Yeah, people have been... yeah because, because, you know, Todd loves his dates. Todd loves his dates. They got to launch the game on, on dates, you know? I've already, um, I've already, you know, scolded Todd about dates, okay? Don't, yeah. don't pick a date just because it looks cool on paper. I think, I think but... a lot of it is people just want to believe, Miles. You know, right? they, you keep they, the dream alive. Keep, I don't yeah. want to crush people's hopes and dreams. Dream big, dream loud, but I don't, I don't know, man. Dream, yeah. Well, I, some of it I think stems from one being like, hey, they said Starfield would launch in the first, you know, by the end of June. The second is like they announced the direct developer direct for January twenty sixth, and then they also said, oh, we have a Starfield one in the works. And a lot of people are like, well, that Starfield one's got to come soon then. Mm -hmm. and people are just like march march for whatever reason there's this fixation on march um and maybe because it's the date and you know i'm sure you saw the rumors uh, microsoft will have a super bowl ad for starfield right in february oh, um, oh, oh. you know and then and I then mean, oh then you could have the showcase and then you could you could you could launch the game in march and barely have any marketing for this huge maybe potentially the most important release for Xbox in a long, long time. Certainly like the biggest new IP release for Xbox since Gears or even probably since the original Halo. Like that's how important the Starfield launch is to the brand and is to Game Pass and is to Xbox. And it's like, to me, it's like that's something you'd, you'd want to market for a little bit and get people uh, well aware of what it is. I understand like, like we want it soon because I want to play it soon, but I mean, I don't know. I, I sort of think because of how big Starfield is and how much it's got going on, Thousand Planets, all that sort of stuff. You know, the game's probably filled with your typical bugs. You know, they don't call them Bethesda for nothing <laughs> and glitches and stuff. And I, and I think they want the game to be as polished as it could possibly be. I agree because I'm sure they 100%. could spend years polishing it, but you're never going to find anything. And at some point the game's got to come out. Right. And uh, I've always felt that the earliest the game would release would be June. 
uh, that would give it enough time for them to, you know, uh, an extra seven months of work on it. But I don't know when Starfield's coming. I mean, maybe the March cultists are right, you know? And I even said on Xbox too, if they were, that I'll give five, five of my random Patreons $100 each. Okay. I have five hundred dollars. I have five hundred dollars on the bucks line. On on the line. Wow! That, it, that is not coming on March twenty third. Well, you're, right? you're, so you're paying money to crush people's dreams. Is that? Is <laughs> that mean, what's going on here? I mean, I was just like, yo, I don't think it's coming, and I'm willing to put up this because me and Jess had like a little small ten dollar bet. But I was like, it's. I don't think it's coming March twenty third, and I'm willing to put up money for that. Hey, uh, give back ups. some of big some of the patreons there. for it. Um, um, I'm I'm with you. I don't think again. I just talked about shadow drops being the most hype thing on on the planet. So I'm not saying that I wouldn't want it to happen. I just don't think Starfield is shadow dropping on March 23rd, and I don't want to crush people's dreams. Well, you don't you don't you don't think they could do like a showcase in February and then announce that it's coming in March 23rd? I mean, that wouldn't be a shadow drop. Do a showcase two weeks after they just did one. I'm just saying, bro. Or... I'm just I'm just saying that's what they're that's what you know the cultists the March cultists <laughs> believe. The you know? Marshfield crowd, the ravenous yeah. Marshfield gamers. The Marchitis. Listen, listen, I want it. I want it out as soon as it's ready to be played. Because I agree with you. Microsoft wants to make sure that this is polished. Because I've touched on this so many times in the past. The selling point of Xbox Game Studios to us as players and to developers around the world and to, to so many people is that these games and these developers, if they are buying, because there were a lot of people saying, well, Microsoft is just buying these teams, blah, blah, blah. And there's some negative spin there, but their positive spin has been, well, their games are going to be better than they've ever been. We're going to give them more resources. We're going to enable them to make games in ways they've never done before. And the quality of their games and the, the experimentation of their games should be greater. And so that has to be what they deliver. And it's, you know, I know Starfield has been in development since before they were acquired, it's been in development for quite some time. But that being said, they are in a position where it needs to come out of the gate. Good. Solid. Very, very, very solid. Because, you know, that's that's the selling point of Xbox Game Studios. And that's that's the reality that these games have to ship in. So I agree with you. It is a big IP. It's an important moment for Xbox and the platform and Xbox Game Studios. And this will be, or this could be, I should say, the first unquestionable quote banger for Xbox Game or Xbox Game Pass. The, the the first big juggernaut. Like I don't care what bubble you find yourself in. If you're gonna look at a game like Starfield and say it's not like a massive release or not a a huge AAA game or a Game Pass filler or whatever narrative you see kind of spun online. You just can't do that with Starfield. It's, you, you just can't, no matter who you are or where you play. And Starfield is going to be a juggernaut game, a massive game, the biggest release for Xbox this year, one of the biggest game releases. I think the only thing that's going to potentially you know, stand toe-to-toe with that is The Legend of Zelda. And that's just because of the pedigree and the legacy of the Zelda franchise. But those two, I don't see anything coming near them in terms of just overall conversation and appeal. So yeah, the game needs to come out in a good state. And... That makes me feel like there's a chance it might not come in the first half. Am I yeah, alone, Rand? I, I, I mean, there's 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 the possibility. Like I said, I think I think it's fluid. I think there's a chance it can come in the first half, and the chance that could come later. That's the thing. It's I think it's a very very fluid situation, and I think 
when they know when it's coming, they'll tell us with that direct. They'll be they'll know when when they should do the direct then. Yeah, right? I think they will. Like I said, the next time we see Starfield, I I assume I we're do, th- the I do think the direct will be before E three. Even even in a hypothetical situation, let's say Starfield's October. I do think you get the direct Starfield thing before E three. Rand, if they are going to push it to a hypothetical October, hypothetical Q3, how they soften the blow? Do they just make sure that that showcase just absolutely crushes and the gameplay that they've shown is just unquestionably amazing and, and fulfills everyone's hopes and dreams? Or is there just no way to soften that blow for the, oh, the, the March field group? So I think the March field group it's just going to be disappointed regardless, you know, I, I, but you know, I don't, I don't know how they would soften the blow. Uh, it's just the reality of game development. And maybe you could argue it wouldn't have been like this if Xbox didn't say the whole 12 month thing last year, because then nobody would be like expecting Starfield to come by June. Right, they would just announce it when they knew when it was, and people were like, "Oh, it was just delayed until this point." But now it looks like there's another delay because they had put a timetable on these games, which is why I think they won't do it twelve months ever again. Which as is long, I, yeah, as long as they're open and honest about how this stuff works. I think yeah, people don't care about open and honesty. They want their game. The people don't care. like you know when 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 people talk about crunch. And they're like, oh my God, Crunch was so bad. I worked 100 hours and I didn't see my wife and kids or whatever. Gamers don't care about that, Miles. I've seen people it, say like, hey, these teams need to crunch to get it done. And I'm yeah, like, ga- gamers, gamers don't care. About, like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like hot dogs. Like, you want your hot dog, but you don't want to know how the hot dog's made and you don't care how the hot dog's made. Same thing. A lot of gamers are just like, give me my entertainment product. I don't care that you guys are crunching. That's your job. I have to go work over overtime at my place of employment to live. Why should I cry tears that you have to do the same as well? Whatever, just give me my product. There's yeah. a lot of that that goes on. Like people just don't care. It's like whatever. I, if you got a crunch to get the game done, then get the game done. Like give me my game. I don't care how it's made. You know. So I agree. Some, and some of that's a little unfortunate. And, you know, I don't know, we've been having ongoing conversations in the industry. A lot of people have been speaking out about all of that. And I think that's why a lot of these major publishers are going to be a lot less gung-ho about release dates. We're going to see a lot less release dates until we are much closer to that date because they just don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with the backlash of delays and having people get mad. Because like you said, some people don't care what the excuse is. Exactly. Like even the whole COVID situation, I have people say like, I don't want to hear that as an excuse. I'm like, well, that's just kind of a, a brutal reality that we all live through, but whatever. And that's just kind of how some people are. So I think as these things are more fluid, and I agree, I think Forza, Starfield, pretty much any major game, any major AAA game, that release date is fluid as hell. So if you're going to throw a date down, just throw it out a couple months in advance when you know you're good, when you know you're hitting it. Otherwise, don't bother because I know there's marketing. The marketing machine is part of that. When you have a game like Starfield, obviously they had their big 11, 11, 22 release date. Todd, Todd, but they didn't hit it and they clearly weren't ready for that. So again, that was just part of this, the marketing machine and they were feeding into that. And then it gets to the point where they have to message that out and say, 
sorry everybody, we can't hit that. And then you have a bunch of people from that time that the game was supposed to be out. I had people telling me that, okay, well, it's delayed from November because it's coming in January or it's coming in February. I'm like, no, they're not, they wouldn't delay it by two months. That's not, I mean, it happens, but that's, that's not what's happening here. So it's, it's a tough, it's a tough message to get across, Rand. And I don't think everyone's going to be happy. Yeah. I mean, Phil's right though. Like he says at the end of the day, they didn't deliver in 2022 and ultimately that's on him. He's the boss, right? It falls to him. Um, but you know, 2023 is going to be better. How much better is anybody's guess? I mean, you've already started out pretty damn good with Hi-Fi Rush, Miles. You, you already got. You already you got a game that some people are saying is the best Xbox exclusive so far this gen, and one of the best in quite quite some time. So it's already starting off pretty good. People are and saying if, it's just a game of the year contender across yeah, the board. Top ten, yeah, yeah. A top ten, top ten game, and you know if you can deliver with. Minecraft Legends, and more importantly, with Redfall and Starfield. And then, if there's any other games that you want to put out at the end of the year, you know, uh, then maybe this this year ends up being pretty damn awesome, which it should be because you already delayed two games from last year. So, um, yeah, I think it's good. I mean, I thought this year would be would be pretty good. Now it seems like it's starting off to be like really good. I mean, nobody expected Hi-Fi Rush and. The people that did expect it didn't expect it to be this or this fantastic. So it's already, it's like, boom, you start off the year with, mm. as you mentioned, a lot of people call them a game of the year contender. Granted, I always find it funny when people say it's a game of the year contender when it's like literally the first game released of the year, right? Like, I know I saw some people 12 with, months to go, you know, same thing with Forspoken. I saw a video that was like the seven reasons why Forspoken is the worst game of 2023. I'm like, it's been two weeks. <laughs> Could we dial it back? Like know, just right. a pinch, just, just a little bit. Just, I'm asking for a little nuance. That's not much. Just a, just a skosh, just a dash because my gosh. Um, all right. Before we talk about Q3, Q4, I want to get to some super chats. I'm gonna get caught up here. I'm a little behind. Jeremy G says, Chatterday hype. Dead planet. Yeah. Hi-Fi Rush is proof. Each Xbox game studios is working on multiple projects. At some point, the math has to make sense. There must be way more coming that we don't know about. I'm sure that's absolutely the case. I'm sure they're, again, like when, we, when you're talking about developers, you're talking about creatives, the pitch of why you want to work with Xbox game studios is this promise of being able to experiment. And we've seen it with Pentiment. We've seen it with Hi-Fi Rush. If they can keep doing those, you're going to have a lot of developers saying, yo, let me call, let me, let me talk to the Xbox and see what's going on. If these teams are empowered and enabled to do this stuff, I want I want in. Um, Matt, okay, Matt without fear says, does it seem like gamers have higher expectations of Microsoft? All I've seen the last few days have been demands for more shadow drops. Feels like folks will be mad if it doesn't happen with their next showcase. Oof. No, I think that's completely un unrealistic to expect it to happen in every showcase. Agree. Please don't. If you, that's where I you're mean, at right now, don't. anybody anybody with the brain should realize that this a lot of things need to line up, right? Need, the game needs to be ready. The game needs to be polished. It needs to make sense for that game. Like it makes sense for Hi-Fi Rush, but it doesn't make sense for something like Redfall. And it, it, as as much as the Marchitis would have you believe, it doesn't really make sense for Starfield either. Uh, most games it doesn't make sense for. So like the idea of like, oh well. Xbox has sort of ruined expectations forever moving forward for developer directs because now everyone's going to expect a surprise. I think that's BS. I think that's just a talking point people have 
because it's like, well, they did it once, so therefore they have to do it again for the next one. I think that's just, that isn't true. Because I think most people are smart enough to realize that uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, no. So will it happen again? Maybe years down the road. Maybe it never happens again. Maybe this is a one-time thing only. But to expect it to happen again so soon? No. Like Anybody that says that to me, uh, anybody that legit thinks that, like, oh, well, there's no, there, there, we're, I'm expecting a surprise drop at the next show, and then they're disappointed because there isn't, is an idiot to me. Whoa, so, whoa, 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 harsh. But I'm, I'm sorry, that's just, that's just the case. It's completely unrealistic. Again, like, just take this moment for what it was a magical, cool moment that hasn't happened since Apex Legends. So, again, to think that Xbox is going to do that at every show, that's a tall order. I'm sorry. That's that's a lot to ask. But, again, there's a reason we want it, because nothing is more hype than a shadow drop, Rand. Yeah. Nothing. Um, all right. Infinite Umbra says, Yo, Miles and Rand, what do you guys feel on the claim that they would release Starfield at a week's notice of marketing and that marketing isn't needed because it's on Game Pass? I find it illogical. I Starfield is a juggernaut. I've talked about the marketing machine. There's a reason they gave us that release date out so far ahead is so they can get those wheels churning, get those marketing wheels in motion, baby. Because a game like that, that is a game designed to sell Xboxes, and that is a game designed to get people to sign up for Xbox Game Pass. And Hi-Fi Rush is a dope drop for people who have Game Pass. It is a dope moment, and it adds a lot of energy and excitement to the subscription service. Starfield is a game you drop when you want people to sign up for it or pay $70 for it. So I do think they will lean more into marketing with Starfield, heavily into marketing, and we'll see. I'm expecting commercials at the movie theaters like we did with stuff like Gears, like that level of marketing for it. But who knows? Could be wrong, but that's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know Todd has sort of said that, and he does like his, like, hey, we announced Fallout 4 and then released it six months later, so they do like a shorter announce to release window, but also like Xbox, like I, I, maybe they would let Bethesda do what they want on this one. But I mean, they've already marketed Starfield a bit. They announced the release date a year and a half in advance when they didn't have to, when nobody in the industry does just to like have that. Right. They, they're like, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you could make it work, but I feel like that would do to Starfield a disservice to try to do it like that and rely on like, the virality when this is a game that everybody should know about and you should have TV commercials and you should have spots on like the NBA playoffs or, you know, big, big events where it's like Starfield Xbox, this jam it down people's throats, slap that because it's still going to go, it's still going to go viral, you know, especially if you think the game's going to do good and you're expecting great reviews and you, you can hit those nineties you know, that gives that an extra put. Like, look look at Elden Ring. Like, people people are like, ah, oh, it's the Dark Souls, open world Dark Souls, right? But then those review scores hit. And I guarantee you there is lots and lots and lots of people that since, once they saw those review scores, were like, I'm getting this game now. And it became their most successful game ever. Yes. Uh, you know, like, same thing. Like, God of Wars, when they review really high, there's, like, that extra push. So they would want, in my opinion, they would want, like, uh, the all the, the, the marketing you know, and all that stuff, plus the review cycle, and then it's here leading up to that date, because once it's here, and it, it's on Game Pass, it's it, it's gonna go viral because suddenly everybody's playing it. So, that's sort of what I see happening with Starfield. I mean, 
Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong though. Maybe maybe the March Itis know what they're talking about. Maybe we maybe. will see it come yeah, March 23rd, and I'll be five hundred dollars poorer. Exactly. I'm rooting for him. If Starfield drops in March, let's go. Actually, yeah, I would, actually, go. I would be salty because it's. Oh, it's wouldn't near. that be? Wouldn't that be like an incredible beginning of the year? You'd have Hi-Fi Rush, and then like in March, you'd have you'd have uh you'd have Starfield, and then Star- Redfall like right after. Like, whoa! Talk about talk about a stack in the early... front half. Yeah, stacking it. I mean, yeah, it would be exciting. No doubt. Re- March for me is Resident Evil month, though. So sorry, Bethesda. Oh yeah. It- plus, plus. Look, Resident Evil Four is on the twenty third. Microsoft also has to be very cognizant of their partners, right? That's true. People downplay that and say, "Well, Microsoft can just release it whenever." I, I mean, yeah, they can. They but can. Got to keep Capcom is already sort of like you saw that survey where like, where do you buy your games? And like, every platform was listed except Xbox, and it was just other. So it's like maybe <laughs> they already Capcom ow, views ow. Xbox a little bit differently, right? So it's like. Other? Plus you Xbox gets yeah. relinquished to the other Damn. to other and like Damn. Uh, essentially you make money off Resident Evil because you're gonna take thirty percent of every copy sold so why would you release your game on that same day because that probably means less people are going to be buying Resident Evil which means you're gonna make less money you can you can easily release Starfield the next week or two weeks later. And maximize how much money th- you're going to make from Resident Evil, and let Capcom be happy with their marketing cycle and their, uh, you know, uh, unopposed release. Like, yeah, why would you go up against real. them? Yeah, exactly. You need to have good relationships with your third-party partners, especially the big ones. You don't want to dump your biggest first-party game when, realistically, let's be real, you got 12 months. You can you can do yeah. it whenever you want, and to do it right next to like a big, massive release from a partner, it's just it's kind of a dick move. It's kind of a dick move. And one final thing on Starfield, I don't imagine it's coming before Redfall. I just don't, I can't, I don't think it would. I don't think it would, regardless of what the original plans were. I think Redfall was always meant to come out ahead of Starfield um, because they don't want to overshadow their own game. It's Bethesda. And Redfall, arguably, you know, it has Game Pass as the vessel. It's going to have an audience, but you're going to want to have that game have its moment and have its time to build and garner that that audience. And if Starfield is out right next to it. Or I see people saying, you know, Starfield in April or whatever. I just, I do not see bro. Starfield coming before Redfall. I just don't. But, bro, think about this. But that's the game to play, bro. This, I mean, they're going to release Hi Fi Rush. Huh? They got the Ghostwire Tokyo port coming in March. Uh-huh. Right? They're going to have Redfall. But that's another they're reason have, they're not going to do it in March. Starfield. Come on. They're but they're gonna basically going to be putting out four games this year. Bethesda. Bethesda is carrying Xbox right now. We need we need Xbox Game Studios to step up their game. Let's go! Come on, you got Bethesda stepping up their game. Let's get Xbox Studios going. Come on, booty. Let's go. <laughs> Bethesda doing some heavy heavy lifting. So yes, I'm. We'll see where Starfield lands. What's the rest of Q3 and Q4 look like, Rand, for Xbox? No idea. Because you don't know where any, like Forza or if Starfield will be in any of those. We don't know if Xbox has any other games planned because, you know, they didn't tell us last year at E3. They haven't talked about it. So we don't know, mainly because we don't know when, in the, like, all the games they revealed in 2020 and 2021, we don't know when they're targeting. Nobody knows when, what Howblade's targeting or Avowed or Perfect Dark or Fable or State of Decay or Everwild. Like, the list goes on. So your guess is as good as mine. Could Hellblade 2 be targeting this fall? Maybe. Could 
Project Belfry be targeting this fall? Possibly. Um, you know, I thought Hi-Fi Rush was supposed to be coming this fall, and that surprised by coming out now. Um, you know, what about uh, Avowed? Uh, you know, like, they're, they're, the, the problem is, like, question marks. You just don't know because you don't know when an, anything is, is, is scheduled to hit. As far as we know, like, Hellblade doesn't have a date. We've seen it twice, and neither of those times that they have, it, like, a year on it. So, your guess is as good as mine, Miles. I don't it's, know. It's interesting. It's really interesting to think about what Q3 and Q4 could look like because we've already talked about how strong they're starting the year and they have a lot of stuff on the cards for the first half of the year. I think that maybe Forza and Starfield could move to that Q3-ish window. I, I do. And I know people want it sooner, but I think there is a realistic possibility those get moved. So then Q3 would be set. But Q4, if they can, if they can get one game out, if they can get one decent high profile game out in Q4 they will have done it they will have their first year where they put out one big first party game every single quarter the well, mythical year brand the year that they've been talking about for years they could do it yeah well we, there's also the ABK thing situation looming because let's hypothetically imagine the deal goes through this year at some point mm -hmm. there is some sort of Call of Duty game coming in November whether and it looks all signs point to some sort of expansion to Modern Warfare 2 in some way. Exactly. So technically that would be theirs if the deal went through, right? Like Diablo 4 is coming in June. You know, could Diablo 4 when it launches in June, could that be an Xbox game? Will the deal go through by June? I don't know. Uh, does Diablo get delayed to later in the year? Because there are there was that Washington Post article about how you know a lot of crunch going on there and stuff, right? Um, of course that. Yeah, I mean, again, you know? I know Microsoft is trying to set a good example, like when it comes to the the crunch side of things. So they unfortunately they have to be a little more well, the deal sensitive about how that plays out because they can't just casually say, "All right, well, we put this date out here, so you got to crunch it." So, I mean, I don't know. I think, realistically, I'm not expecting Diablo to launch in Game Pass because I don't. The, the deal is still kind of up in the air in terms of when it's going to close. And while that would be convenient, that would be amazing, that would be a good moment, I just don't know that the timing is going to be that excellent that Diablo can launch day one in Game Pass because unless this deal is already in the works, unless it's already planning to launch day one in Xbox Game Pass, it's a $70 game from Activision. I don't think it is. Um... They can't really do those sorts of things until the deal closes and they can start that conversation. And it's not really just as easy as flipping a switch when it comes to a game of that size and scale. So I'm not expecting Diablo in Game Pass day one, but there are some things if it does close, like you say, mentioned with Call of Duty's expansion or some other bonuses or some perks that maybe they can get worked out for fall. And maybe Activision has something else in the works for fall and they can rope that into Game Pass and use that to fill the quarter. Well, I mean, it's, it, like I said, it depends. Do they do they do they own ABK by then? If so, Call of Duty might be the thing, and maybe they want to clear the decks and be like, "All right, Call of Duty, this is it." I don't know. There's too many too many question marks. We don't know because we don't know when Starfield's launching, and and I and I think Starfield's a game where you give that a wide berth. You don't want to release anything around it, especially don't want to like Forza. I know people point to like forza horizon and halo like well they released forza horizon and halo within like a week of each other but i think both ips were strong enough where they wouldn't really 
one doesn't really hurt each other. And Horizon, you can make the argument, is bigger than Halo. Motorsports, not Horizon, right? Motorsports is not as popular, and Starfield would dominate it. So, like, those need, I think those need to be separated, even though they're separate genres, because Starfield's going to be the one that just envelops everything. Yeah. So it, it, there's too many question marks about what potentially because we don't know what's ready. Is Hellblade two ready? Because I'm very much of the opinion that if it's ready, release it. You don't need to hold it. Like if it's ready, release the game. It, will Hellblade two be ready for this fall? Nobody knows. So same thing with like Starfield and, and Forza. You release it when they're ready. Um, and nobody else knows what Xbox has in the pipeline. So it's tough to really gauge what they might have for third uh, quarter three and quarter four. We'll have a better idea at E three. You know, I'm sh- we might even know at E3, you know, because we might be watching it and then see Hellblade trailer and then it says, you know, uh, early 2024 and then you would know, okay, well, that's not coming in the holidays, that's, right? Yeah. So, so I think E3 would give you the answers that you seek, my young Padawan. My young, yes, we, we'll just have to wait and see. But I, I agree, there is potential for a strong finish to the year as well, but it all comes down to what's going to be ready. And Microsoft at this point, as they've learned with a lot of these projects, they just got to wait until it's ready and they're not going to ship stuff before it's ready. And that's going to mean sometimes you end up waiting longer than you want to for these games. But hopefully on the other side of it, it means, you know, positive reception to these games and these games end up being everything you hoped and dreamed they would be. Um, all right, man. I, I, I can we're, dream pretty big, Miles. We're coming up on three hours, so I'm going to... Yeah, what is gonna, this, an Xbox Two episode? I What's know, going on? God, God dang, boy. Um, Miles so, Dumper doing a three-hour show. Yeah, so we're going to move on to community Q&A real quick. going to skip the Halo talk, because that's going to be a whole conversation. And we're going to jump straight to community Q&A. So if you are not in the loop, Xbox Chatterdays now has a Discord. So Ooh. I dropped a link in the chat if you want to join that. Uh, there's a section of the Discord where you can drop your burning questions and have your questions read and answered on the show. So here are the two we're going to dive in today. First up, Goldshell says, Does the success of Hi-Fi Rush put more pressure on Xbox picking up smaller Japanese studios post-ABK? Maybe like a Platinum Games or Mistwalker. Having Mikami-san and Kamiya-san and Saguchi-san under one umbrella would be insane. Obviously wishful thinking. So... Post ABK, people want to know who Xbox is buying next. Where should they target next? Do you think they should scoop up some more Japanese talent, Rand? I mean, Phil's sort of talked about that, hasn't he? It's yeah, and then we've had people he's, like he's, um Emron yeah. Khan talk about how there's been he's heard yeah. that there's been conversations with Japanese. Yeah, studios. so I mean, yeah, it makes sense if you get if they get ABK. Yeah, I, you know, maybe they've talked about their like we're gonna still acquire. And they've talked about looking in, in areas where they're not really strong, which would be Japan or Asia and those places. So, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's definitely a possibility. Mm-hmm. Definitely a possibility. I th- yes, I think that'd be a smart move. I think regardless of whether or not they buy, like full up buy, you're going to see a lot of Xbox games publishing titles from Japanese teams. Um, I know they have people stationed in Japan working hard to establish those relationships, and I know they're talking to teams. Kojima is one example, but you can bet your sweet booty uh, we're going to see several more. So I'm curious to see what those end up being, and I wonder if we'll see one of those uh, announced at E3 this year. But I'm hoping we see the Kojima project either way. But I think it's a smart move to partner at least aggressively and strategically because what's wild to think is Hi-Fi Rush was the first Japanese developed game published by xbox since recore i want to say so it's been a minute 
It's been, it's been a hot minute. Um, hmm. Oh, here's Assassin had a question about... We talked about this a little bit, so we can make this brief. Do you guys think the successful shadow drop of Hi-Fi Rush will result in more first-party games doing the same? For example, maybe shadow dropping Forza Motorsport at E3? <laughs> <laughs> what's up man every show getting a shadow drop now baby? but i mean like but but that's not a shadow drop though because forza motorsport's been talked about since 2020 and you just saw it in this developer direct when i think shadow drop i think you don't even know the game exists and the game is out now yeah like what what is this like half, yeah. half I, what would you even call I mean, a game that's been marketed a... for years and then all of a sudden you know yeah i don't even know um Look, it's. I, I know the pitfalls. Uh, uh, people see the Hi-Fi Rush doing well, and they're like, "Boom, this works!" Right? Yep. So they do should it do it time. more often. Do it every time. But then, like, you sort of ruin. You sort of ruin this. This like the surprise of it if it's like expected every single time because it's no longer a surprise. It's just expected. Like you know when they do the and we have one more thing to show you now. They do it at every show, and it's like sort of kind of lost its thing. Because exactly. it's it's expected at every show, um, so no, no, because it also means like, oh, the game's ready then, and we, like, I'm, I think you put out your games when they're 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 finished. So, will we see this again at some point? Yeah, probably. I think Microsoft likes you know they'd have all the metrics, and Hi-Fi Rush is doing amazing. Uh, and Phil even mentioned that it worked for this game, but it doesn't work for every game. So to expect it to happen again so soon at E3 or this next show, I think is completely unrealistic. <laughs> uh, you know, uh. so it's like, will it happen again? I think it will, but I'm not expecting it every single time we get a show. So yes. I, I think that's yeah. a healthy, safe place to be, guys. Uh, ha mm -hmm. Shadow drops are exciting. They are fun. But if they happen at every show, they're not going to be that exciting. It's just going to be another marketing kind of gimmick yep. that gets overused. And then, you know, who knows? But that being said, I touched on this previously. Just take the, the shadow drop for what it was. Be excited about that shadow drop. And then look at it as a nice little treat. All right? Don't, don't set yourself up for expectations that will be impossible for anyone to achieve. And with that being said, that is going to do it for this week's Ooh. episode of Xbox Chatter Days. Rand, my man, appreciate you taking some time, hanging out, and talking video games with me on this fine Saturday. Of course, Miles. Is, is, it, is the reason this show is three hours because it's just me? Do I, being on a show, make, make it that long? Is, it, is this my influence on you? What's going on here? I mean, you know, I just, I like talking to you. You and I, we talk okay. a lot, you know, via DMs and otherwise. And so it's just easy. We can just, we Plus can you just didn't do going. a show last week. Plus I didn't do a show last well, week. Well, exactly. but you didn't really talk about anything that happened last week in this show. There was just I know, I was cool going to try to talk about. Exactly. I was trying to squeeze in Halo, but you know, again, for the sake of time here, I'm going to, I'm going to cut the Halo segment out here. But it was nice to have a nice positive week. Yeah, nobody Xbox wants to news. talk about, nobody wants to talk about Halo. And it's, you know. nobody what's going on with Halo. Halo's like. Whatever. Their, their PR statements are just so vague. It, uh, who knows what they mean. Halo will continue. Cool. Yes. Okay. Halo Master Chief will continue. All right. All right. Cool. What about All you right. laying off a third of your team? That's not in your PR message. What's going? What's up with that? Again, rightfully, they don't want to talk about that aspect of it. But again, entirely different conversation. Huge shout out to everyone who 
joined us live and anyone who listens after the fact or watches after the fact. Huge shout out to everyone who dropped Super Chats, who became a channel member. As I said, we got some cool stuff going on there. So excited about getting that going. And again, if you want to join the Discord, I will update the link in the description. I think it's dead now. But by the time you're watching this or rewatching it, I will drop a link there for the Discord. If you want to join that and rant, anything you want to plug or shout before we wrap this show oh. up? I mean, I'm good. I appreciate you having me on. You know, people know my uh, YouTube channel and uh, the Xbox Two podcast uh, every Friday with Jez Corden. But uh, an Xbox staple, you know, the, the an gold, Xbox staple. Two hundred and fifty, two hundred and fifty-two episodes, episodes and going, Miles. Who proud of you two? Proud of you two doing it. I mean, you get like a one point four thousand. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, you got a good crowd. So. Plus, plus we have a really, really, really good audience on uh, downloads as well, iTunes and stuff, which you yeah. know you normally don't because the YouTube thing everybody sees. But uh, we definitely have gotten people who listen to us on other, other, other platforms like Spotify and iTunes that normally you know maybe don't watch the YouTube stuff, and so it's it's really cool to see. Yeah, I love it. All right, everyone, we're going to take care. Have a fantastic weekend, and we'll catch you next week.